or loving. All right, man. We'll take it. Did he say clear? Yeah. No, is there any chance of thunderstorms? Apparently no. not. 50- no scattered? No. No spotty showers? No. Spotty. Uh, 54 degrees right now at DVE. So wow. look forward to a nice day today. No worries at all. Uh, Uber. If- Go ahead. I was just saying wonderful. Oh, yeah. Looking forward to the not being rained on or having that gloomy, like, overcast sky yeah. thre- threatening to turn your picnic into a lightning storm, electrical warfare happening on your blanket. Right. It's nice when you feel like you don't live inside the movie 7. That is true. Uber officials say they plan to resume testing self-driving cars in Pittsburgh this summer. Hmm. The company halted tests after a crash in March that killed a woman walking her bike across Tempe, Arizona, uh, a street in downtown Tempe, Arizona. PennDOT gave Uber a series of guidelines it must follow last month as they began discussions on resuming uh, testing. Uh, Guideline number one, stop running over people. Guideline number two, don't take Route 30. (laughs) It's not there. Uh, no, it has fallen off. A man is in custody after South Strabane Township Police caught him alleged, allegedly robbing a man inside a Trinity Point store. Officials say the man, who continues to refuse to identify himself, ripped off a gold chain from a Washington man at Walmart Tuesday afternoon. The man's preliminary hearing is set for June 4th. They sure it's, it's real gold? It was in Walmart. I don't know. I still think they should just have a court in Walmart. They should have a Walmart. Yeah. There should be a court and a jail. Yeah. They've got everything else going on there. You can just make it happen. And so, you should be able to get a public defender in one of the aisles. It's one-stop shopping for everything else. Might as well be for everything. the legal system. Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Her comedic ways are landing her another award. You know how rich she is? Not from not from Seinfeld, not from SNL, not from acting. Her family. She her wealth predates her incredibly successful career. Yeah, Dreyfus, the Dreyfus family. She comes from billionaires. Is her dad Richard? No, her dad's like different Dreyfus. Yeah, like banking. Oh, like big big dollar. Julie Louis Dreyfus. We'll get the uh, the John F. Kennedy Center Award for the P- Performing Arts uh, Mark Twain Prize for American Humor. She's incredible. She's had a phenomenal career. I mean, to follow up Seinfeld with Veep. Well, she had also, uh, there was the Christine TV show she had before that. Oh, yeah. Which, what, I like, didn't see that. It was on for like five years. I mean, it did well. She will receive the award at a gala performance in October. Louis Dreyfus is, uh, well, she just received it at an Emmy last year for Best Actress in a Comedy for Veep. She's the first person to ever receive six Emmys for a single role. Wow. Veep was incredible. That's what I mean. Like, it's like her character on Seinfeld, Elaine, and then her character on Veep, like, those are two iconic, like, all-time characters. No, no doubt about it. Veep is one of the best shows on on television. It's, I mean, it's run its course now. It's done, but it was so fast paced, so, so funny. dense with jokes, and just great performances all around too. Uh, Arrested Development actress Jessica Walter is calling out her co star Jeffrey Tambor for alleged verbal harassment. 
The 77-year-old revealed during a New York Times interview with Tambor and other cast members that he used to yell at her on the set of the show. She said it was difficult to deal with, but she wants to let go of her anger and forgive him so they can be friends again. Tambor admitted to a blow-up he had with Walter recently to The Hollywood Reporter, one he said he profusely apologized for. The actor was recently fired from the show, transparent over allegations of inappropriate behavior and sexual harassment. I read the interview in the New York Times with the cast uh-huh. of Arrested Development. It It's not good. <laughs> it's Jeffrey Tambor, who is apparently just a big a-hole. It has become more and more apparent that his role on the Larry Sanders show back in the day as Hank. Hey now. Who was a, the biggest jerk in the world. That that was more like Courtney Love acting in The People versus Larry Flint. Just go be yourself. Yeah. Because this guy is oh, wow. just an awful person. And then making matters worse, Jason Bateman goes way out of his way to make it seem like you deserve to be yelled at, Jessica. Even as the younger co-story, Aliyah Shock, is it Shock Kit or whatever the, um, is her name maybe in the show or something like I, that? I'm not sure. Well, she's like a younger actress in her 20s. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to point out, hey guys, he was a big jerk. We should not be making her feel bad. And they're all like, shut up. It's a... It, it's a really bad interview, and it's unfortunate. It's not what you'd think would come uh, from the cast of Arrested Development. Hmm. And it did not play well online yesterday. Although nothing really did. <laughs> yesterday was a bad day. No, online wasn't great yesterday. No, it was not. A lot uh-huh. of hot takes and a lot of terrible people. Uh, the Beatles' Yellow Submarine graphic novel's coming out. How about that? The animated and psychedelic film, Yellow Submarine, celebrating its 50th anniversary this summer. As part of the celebration, an Apple-approved graphic novel of the book uh, or I'm sorry, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame band's movie, not book. wasn't a book. Probably was a book. I was going to say, book. Uh, it's set to be published. Uh, told by, that's the book. The book is the movie. The book is the movie. The graphic novel's coming out about the movie, yeah. Uh, told by artist Bill Morrison of The Simpsons fame, the Beatles' Yellow Submarine is scheduled to be released on August 28th and can be pre-ordered at the official Beatles store. You know, we always make fun of Kiss for merchandising, but, I mean, you can get a Beatles anything. Anything. Yeah, there's there's plenty of Beatles merch to go around. Blues guitar legend Buddy Guy is set to release his next studio album and set off an extended U.S. tour. The appropriately titled The Blues is Alive and Well is set for a June 15th release and features guest appearances by Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, and Jeff Beck. Meanwhile, Guy's 35-stop North American tour will get underway June 14th in Des Moines and is set to end in Knoxville on September 27th. Tickets for all shows available now. Not a ton of Buddy Guy merch. Not, no, but it would be polka dot if, if, if there was. Everything. He uh, was on the last episode of David Letterman show on uh, Netflix. I can't remember the name of the Letterman show. My next guest. Yeah. And he had Tina Fey on and they started talking about Chicago and she's telling him where to eat in Chicago. So then they cut to David Letterman walking into the restaurant in Chicago and the buddy guy is waiting for him there. <laughs> and uh, they hang out and talk and then at the end of that particular program he goes to Buddy Guys the club in in um, Chicago and Paul Schaefer's on stage with the band Jammin. What are the odds? <laughs> David just happened to walk in. Really fortunate. Yeah. A dozen Alaska bison are heading to Siberia for what? A, for a climate change experiment. You get very demonstrative when it comes to bison. They're running there probably 35 miles an hour. They will be part of a documentary about Russia's Pleistine Park, 
where they will be observed to try to promote the expansion of grasslands. The 500-pound plant-eating animals are expected to prevent the growth of trees and shrubs with an overall goal of keeping permafrost from melting. The filmmaker tells the Anchorage Daily News that grasslands in winter reflect solar radiation, which reduces the impacts of climate change. The 12 baby bison are expected to board a cargo plane to the Russian Arctic next Monday. Hopefully it's it's not united and they don't make them stowed away in the overhead compartment. And lastly, a global team of scientists is setting out to prove once and for all whether or not the Loch Ness Monster really existed. Next month, they'll search the depths of Scotland's Loch Ness and use environmental DNA experiments to try and figure out whether Nessie was ever there. The use of eDNA is already used for monitoring other marine life, as when any creature makes its way through the environment, it leaves behind tiny bits of DNA. There have been many attempts over the years to confirm the creature's existence, the most recent being two years ago. During that search, a monster was found, but it turned out to be a replica that sank almost 50 years ago Mm. after being used in the film the private life of Sherlock Holmes. I hope after they're done looking for Nessie, they they look for the Stay Puff Marshmallow. <laughs> is the DVE Morning Show, the DVE Comedy Festival, coming up at the end of June. It's June 29th and 30th, and we announced the third show, Doug Benson's Doug Loves Movies podcast. And Doug uh, brings comedian friends of his together on stage, and it's full audience participation. And uh, you can get your tickets for that at dve.com. He's got a pretty big fan base that knows what's up. Every show's at 420 with good reason. (laughs) Doug is a a prolific pot smoker. Uh, As a matter of fact, he has a YouTube show, too. Here's Doug Benson, who will be appearing at the Rex Theater with the DVE Comedy Fest, talking about uh, getting his friend Jack Black high on his YouTube show. Yeah, well, he, you know, it was just one of those deals where he had kind of taken a break from smoking. And, I, you know, I always knew him as a pot smoker when we used to hang out when we were all starting out and uh and then uh he's such a nice guy that he just agreed to do my show just just because you know uh, to be nice and uh he thought oh i'll just go on there and take a couple of puffs and i'll be fine and then first thing he does is take a really hard drag off of a uh, newfangled vape pen and then he's just gone for the rest of the episode and his wife was sitting right there and they even had a safe word in case he got too high and it was cantaloupe, and he said it like five minutes into the show. <laughs> <laughs> and she just sat there laughing. <laughs> she, didn't, she didn't care. <laughs> well, doubtful that anything will get that out of control uh, on the 30th, but you should come and hang out with us for sure if you get a chance to. That is June 30th at the Rex Theater. Tickets on sale right now at dve.com. Mike Pursuit has got your sports when we come back. Uh, the uh, the NFL, of course, making big news with their anthem rule that was, uh, that was announced yesterday. Also, Game 7 last night goes to the Caps. Ovi breaks the spell, and he's headed to the Stanley <laughs> Cup Final against Marc-Andre. DVE Sports. That's DVE Morning Show. Mike Pursuta, some... Some pretty big Steeler news going on right now because it's very rare that superstars will call one another out. You want to start? There? I was going to start in Tampa, but you want to start there? Yeah, I just, okay. I, I mean, I said that Ov got past the uh, the, uh, the the hump into the Stanley Cup final for the first time, but um, so people know that. But th- this AB news, I think, is it's so, it's, it's it's bigger than uh, it's probably being made. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, 
Antonio Brown talking after OTA number two yesterday, and uh, one of the guys he was talking about was running back Le'Veon Bell. Well, the first rule of getting better is showing up. You know, you can't make anything better without showing up. So, you know, I think if he show up, you know what I mean, make everyone understand where he want to be. He want to be here for not this this year, for years to come. You know, come out here and show up. You know, show up and get better and show guys you're here. Can't wow. Say, can't say he's wrong, right? Wow. Sports This Hour, by the way, is brought to you by Xfinity from Comcast. Antonio Brown, not only at OTAs, as he always is, did that interview session for five to ten minutes, and then he went and hung out with the jugs machine for a while. Yeah, I mean, probably the perfect guy to deliver that message. He loves practicing. Yes, he, yes, he does. Loves being there. Getting better to him is what he, this is all about. And he, it's not like he's out there. He has just, you know, screwing around. He has no off switch. Uh, it was interesting comments. Uh, most of the Steelers, uh, Ramon Foster, uh, also talked about Bell yesterday. And he said, hey, wasn't he second in the league in rushing last year? You know, it's, it's no big deal. I think Brown's comments are going to go national. I think that that's a national oh, story. already have. Yeah, it's yeah. on NFL.com. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that um, didn't take long. You, you know, players all invariably side with players in contract disputes because they think, you know, it could be me next time, and they're all for everybody doing whatever they think right. they have to do to get as much money as they can. But what, what he said was, if you want to get better, show up. And Le'Veon Bell's great, but he ain't perfect. And, uh, you, you know, Antonio Brown uh, often does and says some infuriating things, but uh, that was a court of clarity, I thought, yesterday. It, I'm sure a lot of other people wanted to say it to him. AB is not one person to follow the rules in terms of, like, whatever sort of uh, unwritten code correct. there is about yeah. being PC along the NFLPA lines. And this just proves it. And there's some context here. Lev's always a pain in the ass, and he got off to a slow start last year because of this. Yeah. Well, he had a great year. Yeah. He had a great year. I'll uh, forgive him the slow start. He was second in the mm-hmm. league in rushing and sure. did a lot of great things. But he could he be better? Absolutely. Anybody could, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody's perfect. And I think just showing the team, when you show up, you show the team your commitment to the team. Also a good point. Contract stuff will be figured out, or it won't. But you're here for the team. Also a very good point. (laughs) The other big news uh, yesterday, the National Football League uh, approving a national anthem policy. Uh, Let's run through it here. Uh, There are six six points to the policy. Uh, All team and league personnel on the field shall stand and show respect for the flag and the anthem. The game operations manual will be revised to remove the requirement that all players be on the field for the anthem. So if, if you if you don't want to uh, participate, you're allowed to stay in the locker room or in the tunnel or and then some, fans somewhere under uh, fans won't boo you at all as you come out of the locker room late. <laughs> There's no escaping it. This is just this is just sort of changed the way that people will be viewed as yeah. protesting it's kneeling or not going out is it going to be the same people who are the same two people who think you should be standing at full attention all the time during the nas- national anthem even though those are the same people who will buy nachos during it 
Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think there's a difference between not being present for it and taking a knee for it, but that's my opinion. I guess everybody will have their own. Again, the knee, the kneeling started because of the Green Beret that uh, Colin Kaepernick was consulting with. I mean, the bottom line, Mike, and you say it all the time, it's a private business. Yeah. They're, they're welcome to come up with whatever rules they want to. That's well within their rights. They're just, I think, not fixing anything here in terms of trying to quell the controversy. Yeah, I, th- I think they're trying to defuse and, you know, as Bill Cowher might say, circumcise the issue. <laughs> uh, Ramon Foster talked about that yesterday and uh, said he didn't particularly have a problem with it. I have no rejection to it in a sense, but um, when we're talking about you know constitutional rights and stuff like that, that's something where that can get a little blended, but there's also workplace rules too. So to say they're wrong, you you know, weed is legal in certain states, you still can't smoke it in the NFL. So um, we'll deal with it. Uh, we'll be one of those teams that will make it a non-issue. Um, if there is an issue, we'll handle it too. Yeah, the rest of the policy, uh, uh, a club will be fined by the league if its personnel are on the field and do not stand and show respect for the flag and the anthem. Each club may develop its own work rules consistent with the above principles regarding its personnel who do not stand and show respect for the flag and the anthem, the commissioner will impose appropriate discipline on league personnel who do not stand and show respect for the flag and the anthem. They kept uh, dropping that show respect for the flag and the anthem line in there. The thing that puzzles me about this, Mike, is that they didn't work with the the Players Association or con- consult with the players at all to figure out a solution that would be a compromise to kind of deal with this. It puzzles the NFLPA as well. Uh, the NFLPA issued the following statement yesterday, quote, the NFL chose to not consult the union in the development of this new policy, and they have policy in quotation marks. NFL players have shown their patriotism, their social activism, their community service in support of our military and law enforcement, and yes, through their protests to raise awareness about the issues they care about. Our union will review the new policy. Again, it's in quotation marks like they're trying to give them a little shot there, and challenge any aspect of it that is inconsistent with the collective bargaining agreement. Uh, one of the uh, reactions across the league was from uh, Eagles defensive end Chris Long, who tweeted, this is fear of a diminished bottom line. It's also fear of a president turning his base against a corporation. This is not patriotism. Don't get it confused. These owners don't love America more than the players demonstrating and taking real action to improve it. It also lets you, the fan, know where our league stands. I will continue to be committed to affecting change with my platform. I'm someone who's always looked at the anthem as a declaration of ideals, including the right to peaceful protest. Our league continues to fall short on this issue. Now, he's a guy that stands for the anthem, but also recognizes what the guys are protesting and donated his entire season to charities. He did. Now he's loaded. Sure. Um, but him, who else is doing that? Yeah. Um, I think he could have stopped of uh, this is fear of a diminished bottom line. Yeah. Yes. Why is that so hard for people to grasp? It's not. I, it's I see like, people <clears throat> tweeting, and, and you mentioned, oh, some people are buying nachos. They've already paid to get in. They don't care about them anymore. They care about the people who maybe what, right. won't come back because they see a guy kneeling or won't watch right. TV. Or, well, that's why I'm pointing out, like John McCain did, that it's disingenuous of the owners to, to suggest it's about patriotism, yeah, which is what is. Chris Long did. It absolutely yeah, is. That, that's but the point I'm making. It's about the bottom. They're selling a product. It's a business. And they're they taking went, money from they the military the, as well. 
People were throwing garbage over the fence at the Steelers' facility last year after the Bears game. I mean, there was a lot of, maybe it was a minority, but there was a lot of obvious contempt to what was going on. And no they, question. They're trying to deal with that and continue selling their product. Right. I mean, if you've got, you got a problem with that, then watch another sport. No, I... I, I, I guess I, that's I guess what that, it Mike, comes but down everybody's, to. You're arguing two, like everybody, not just you, but everybody seems to be arguing on two different fronts here. Because when somebody says that, hey, they don't think that players' uh, First, Amendment's, First Amendment rights should be infringed upon, it is answered with, hey, it's a private business. They can do whatever they want. And then people will continue to say, yeah, but they should not be uh, you know, infringing on anybody's civil liberties, which is, again, a different argument. And then this person will counter with, again, a different argument. Yeah, but they're private business owners. If they want to do that, go work somewhere else. So while some people are saying there should be a, ha- a happy medium between not infringing upon people's civil liberties or at least showing that there is concern for the cause that they are trying to highlight here, by doing what they did, they tried to have their cake and eat it, too. I think they made the situation worse, Mike. I'm curious to see how it plays out. Um, Yesterday, if that was any indication, it is not going to be quiet. It's not going to be an issue that's no. not talked about between games. The president this morning said, maybe you shouldn't be in the country if you don't stand. Well, I can't. So, but again, I don't even want to go there. But that's what I'm saying is, but he, but that's how many different angles there are to this. Last year, he specifically, basically dared Uh, the players. He absolutely was critical in the the uproar of week three and and all the tumult. Right. The the whole Steelers Bears thing. And because then players felt forced to take a stand one way or the other. They felt like they were under attack. And they may, again, this is my point, by his, his words matter here. So I'm. Just trying to explain to you, this is not going to go away. This did not fix it. This may have made it a lot worse. I think a lot of it might depend on what the uh, fines and uh, discipline, if any, is forthcoming. Well, there's the other aspect of this, Mike, is that there are two owners who basically say, we're not on board with this. So it was not even unified from the owner's standpoint, and they are breaking ranks right now. The 49ers say, now nah, we wouldn't even vote on this because the players weren't there. The Jets owner said he'll pay their fines. Yeah, what if they get suspensions? I don't. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I'm just explaining yeah. to you that they're not unified in this as sure. ownership. So don't be surprised if the NFLPA's reaction to this elicits a different response from ownership who come to some different agreement. I don't know what the hell that would be, other than not having the national anthem at all. But I well, think no, that one's I, that, that cat's out of the bag. I think the national anthem is great at at live events. I, you don't have to show it on the broadcast, and they used to not. That was never part of the broadcast that I can remember. But if people you are tune in, in the kickoff, if people are in the locker room for it, there's not a network who's not going to try to milk. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. They'll, they'll, of course, it becomes a story. The cameras will be focused on the. Does they hand hey, here? Look who comes running out of the locker room after the anthem. Yeah. No question. And it'll be uh, that issue uh, rehashed all over again. But hey, say, where are all the players? Say somebody does it week one and gets uh, suspended for two games by Goodell. They gonna do it again? Uh, I would think the NFLPA would uh, appeal that, and that's that would be a bad look. But if they're trying to save, that would be a bad look. If they're trying to save uh, their their fan base, alienating a smaller portion is still alienating a really big portion. It's a a sticky wicket, as they say across the pond, which makes me that more confused and puzzled why they didn't 
all come together and meet as a a whole league, owners and players. Yeah, well, they don't they, they don't do that a lot. All right, let's take a quick I'm break. Sure we'll come don't. back. We'll talk a little bit about last night's Game Seven and what Mark Andre Fleury has to look at. It is the DVE Morning Show, and we didn't get to Game Seven from last night. And uh, pretty, the first half of that Game Seven was was uh, pretty eventful uh, before the Caps eventually put it away. But Mike Mark Andre Fleury is going to be facing his old foe Alexander Ovechkin in the Stanley Cup Final. Alexander Ovechkin is a Stanley Cup finalist after last night's four nothing Capitals win in Game Seven in Tampa. Ovi scored his twelfth of the postseason, a minute and two seconds in. What a shift for that line. Tom Wilson blew up Chris Kunitz in the neutral zone, created a turnover, then a little pretty passing, and then a cannonading blast from the grade eight. That made it one nothing caps. And you He's been terrific. You can't say they never looked back after that because Tampa, I thought, really pushed late in the first and for the first six minutes or so of the second. Even when it was 2 nothing Washington, Tampa was threatening but uh, the Lightning just couldn't buy a goal, and that included Yanni Gord. Oh, how did he not get that? The puck's in the blue paint, in the crease, and the goalie is not. He's out. The whole net is open. The entirety of the cage is open, and he shot wide. How did that happen? Oh, there were the, it. The post was ringing. Yeah. There was loose pucks in the crease all night. It seemed like. Washington gradually pulled away and uh, closed it out uh, with a Nicholas Backstrom empty netter late in the third. This will be the sixth Stanley Cup final in NHL history to feature two clubs each chasing their first Stanley Cup. Either the Golden Knights or the Caps will become the 19th active franchise to win it. Vegas beat Washington twice in two tries in the regular season. Marc-Andre Fleury had a shutout 3-0 on December the 23rd. And Vegas rallied three times from a goal behind to win four to three on February the fourth. I got to think, casual fans and Pittsburgh fans are rooting for Vegas, and everyone else is rooting for DC. It's so far, at, at least on this half of the bracket, it's been the postseason of of Ovi. Yeah, and uh, he's showing up. He's hitting people. He's scoring goals. He's making passes. He's saying all the right things. Uh, right through his, his on ice interview with. Uh, Pierre Maguire last night, who asked him what it was like to finally get there. This is his 13th year. He'd never been to a final. And he said he was just happy for the Caps fans. And then if uh, Pierre asked him if he's going to touch the trophy, and he said, you're about to find out. And then he went over and picked it up, and they carded both teams uh, celebrating the trophy for the conference. Did Flurry pick it up? Uh, the Vegas did. I don't know if Flurry particularly did, but they were all, which I think, Absolutely. I mean, that's a your, hard, especially your first year. It's a hard son of a gun to win. Uh, I would just because you celebrate that doesn't mean you don't want to win the next one. S- Sid picked it up in 08, didn't pick it up on 09. They've done it both ways, the Penguins. Yeah, it's it's kind of silly, but well, I, you know, you worked they that lost hard. When he picked it up the first time. You worked that hard, you come that far. Why would you ignore the thing? Why yeah, get your hands on it. Just superstitious. Yeah, it's a Canadian thing, Mike. Probably. That's probably why I don't like it. Uh, Pirates beat the Reds 5-4 and 12 last night. They snapped their losing streak. Uh, Three-run eighth for Cincinnati. Tied things up at 4-4. And uh, Felipe Vasquez wound up blowing a save for the second game in the series. Uh, The Pirates had tried to uh, get a four-out save out of him, and it didn't work out that way, but... Uh, they outlast the Reds and improved to 27-21. and 21. One more in Cincinnati this afternoon. Uh, 
Ivan Nova, two and four with a four point seven nine ERA against Luis Castillo, three and four, five point six one. Ovi. I think Caps win it. I agree with you. How could you bet against him at this point? What what Flurry's done in the postseason is remarkable, but Washington's a better team top to bottom, more explosive, uh, more difference makers. And uh, I'm going to say Caps in six. Big Cat coming up, 815 from Barstool Sports, part of my take podcast. Also, Tim Benz from Trib Live Sports will give us a shout, 845. His take on the A-B shots fired at Lev Bell. It might be a kind of extreme way of categorizing it, but look, man, he he, he took shot at him. I don't think so. Bad Custer performing in the coffee house today. A great new band here in Pittsburgh. They're going to be at the Point Park University stage upstairs in the Permanis DVE coffee house. That's all still to come here on the DVE. Yeah, a beauty of a day. How nice is that? It's gorgeous out there. Right now, it is 56 degrees, so we're not up to that 80 yet. ABC is canceling its daytime cooking program, The Chew. No! To turn Good Morning America into a three-hour show. Well, you had to know this was coming. The move was announced by the network yesterday. The cancellation of The Chew. I'm livid. Comes in the midst of a reported investigation into Chef Mario Batali as he faces more allegations of sexual misconduct. Boy, the... They, the hits kept on coming for Batali after that first one. I know. At first, it seemed like, oh, you know, one or two things that he was brushing off as like, hey, I'm sorry they interpreted things differently than I intended them. And all I of a sudden, misread the situation. Now he's in Cosby territory. Yeah. Similar allegations uh, levied against him. The cooking show will air until September. A start date for the extended version of Good Morning America has not been revealed. Yeah, you can't have a guy who's accused of spiking people's drinks telling you how to cook things. No, no. And I mean, I I thought he was disqualified based on his apparel alone. He just, I mean, he wears Crocs and Crocs. Maybe Patagonia vests. Maybe if he didn't wear Crocs, he'd get laid. Very good point. But maybe he just likes to wash his shoes with the dishes. (laughs) <laughs> that's true because you can put it's those more, in the dish more convenient right yeah um i i have a lot of friends you know who work in the uh, restaurant industry hospitality so to speak you uh you got to have comfortable shoes it's a big have deal to. but i've heard that crocs aren't as advertised that at first everyone's like oh these are the best i get so much support but over the long haul they're actually not as good for you as people think they are really that they yeah supposedly well, I always feel like I have a couple of friends, and my, my buddy is uh, a little overweight. Let's just say that. And he told me, oh, these are fat guy slippers I can wear out in public. Well, that's Batali, yeah. That makes sense. He, you know, he's like, I just like uh, not really having to get dressed all together. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Hadn't thought of that. Disney will soon be letting Star Wars fans travel to a galaxy far, far away. The company revealed details yesterday about a new land called Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Start saving up, Bill. Oh, I'm already in on this. Are you kidding? It's opening at Disneyland and Disney World in the U.S. next year. I know. Major attractions will be a ride allowing fans to travel on the Millennium Falcon. Yes, I know this. We have our trip planned next year. Do you really? Yeah. People will also be able to take meet some take meat. 
What the heck is that? People will sometimes these AP stories see what Val does is she she separates she, out the she crosses out all the typos she and stuff proofreads. Yeah, people will be able to take meat some characteristics, not characters, from the films, and stay a Star Wars stay at a Star Wars themed hotel. Are so now are you going to stay at a Star Wars themed hotel? No, no, no. That's that's not. I'm not interested in that. Star Wars. Maybe you could sleep in like the the carbon thing that Han <laughs> sleep Solo. in carbonite. Yeah, that would be great. Sleep standing up. Star Wars Galaxy's Edge opens at Disneyland Resort in California next summer, and at Disney World in Florida later in the fall. Uh, and now, speaking of Star Wars, diehard fans already camping in front of the TCL Chinese Theater ahead of the newest film's release. Dozens lined up on Hollywood Boulevard Wednesday morning, decked out in Galaxy gear. All to watch Solo, a Star Wars story, tonight. That doesn't seem like too long in advance compared to what I've seen in the past. No, people wait outside of a Best Buy for a sale. The film's nationwide release date is Friday. Solo, a Star Wars story, is about the early life of Han Solo, starring uh, Aiden Ehrenreich, Amelia Clark, Donald Glover, and Woody Harrelson. I'm, I'm not super pumped about this movie. Nobody seems to be, not like the no. other ones. Why? Well, because, because it's it's not part of the trilogy. It's not part of the series. Like, it's not the chronological. It's not advancing a story at all? No, it's it's one of these side things like Rogue One, which was incredible. But it's just kind of an ancillary movie that I haven't heard too many people talk about being super pumped for. I'll say it again. I want the Wookiee origin story. I want a movie. We all Wookiees on the Wookiee planet. What's the Wookiee planet called? Isn't there a Wookiee planet? Wookiee land. Also, he's 200 years old. Wookiee? He looks great. Great. I'm surprised that hair's not gray. <laughs> Will it ever get gray? <laughs> I don't know. Apparently not. 200. He looks Still great. agile? Yes. Actor Morgan Freeman has been tapped by Vancouver's TransLink to announce Honestly, though, poly- when when is he ever going to lose that accent? Because... What the... Yeah. He's been hanging out with humans who Think- speak English for 200 years. It would be great if at the end of the solo movie he was like... <laughs> Jesus, that was caught for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Actor Morgan Freeman has been tapped by... <laughs> It was just a big loogie. It was just, it was just one it was loogie. A lot of phlegm. Hairball. That's all it has been. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Morgan Freeman has been tapped by Vancouver's TransLink to announce a new policy on using credit card and mobile payments on SkyTrain and bus routes. He will also make announcements about bus etiquette, including putting feet on seats. <laughs> we got to call Caliendo for this. It's about time. Don't put your feet on the seats. His announcements will be heard on selected buses and train stations in June and July. Because you don't hear Morgan Freeman's voice enough. No. We all. need it more. And on buses. <laughs> Joy- and plus, what does he have to do with Vancouver? Is he from Vancouver? No. George Clinton's Parliament are back with the release of the group's first new studio album in 38 years. The Funk Icons just delivered their album Medicaid Fraud Dog. Their first since 1980s Trumbipulation. Clinton's last name with Parliament's twin band Funkadelic was 2004. Last album, sorry, not last name, with Parliament's twin band Funkadelic was 2014's First You Gotta Shake the Gate. He also recently announced plans to retire in 2019. 
I can't believe he's alive. I know. He's 200, right? Well, he played like 20 years ago in Erie, and I went and saw him. He's from the bookie planet. <laughs> and it would make sense, wouldn't it? He walks out on stage to start the show, and then immediately hands the mic over to somebody, because, you know, P-Funk has like 40 people on stage all the time. There's a guy yeah. in diapers playing the guitar and stuff. And he left the stage, and he didn't come back for over an hour. And I asked a buddy of mine who was putting on the show. This was an eerie way back again in the 90s. And he's like, oh, he goes out on the bus and smokes crack. I'm like, oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> he was only out there for a couple songs. I mean, the, the that's a lot of crack. Yeah. The thirst for crack really hits you pretty quickly, apparently. And uh, then, I mean, I have to imagine it, it, it dries you out a bit. Apparently. Probably pretty parched. A Bel Air, California home built for Doors guitarist Robbie Krieger in 1971 is on the market for nearly $14 million. Wow. That's a lot of money. Robbie Krieger's got a $14 million house. The one-and-a-half-acre property features four bedrooms, four-and-a-half baths, and a hexagonal-shaped pool. It was Wait a second. Did you say four bedrooms? Yes. For $14 million. <laughs> Well, here's why it might be worth a lot of money, Bill. It was once owned by Limp Biscuit singer Fred Durst. Oh, well, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> he did it all for the breakfast nookie. What is that why it was hexagonal shaped? For I some guess. reason, I think like he was in on that. Krieger's one of two surviving surviving members of the Doors, along with drummer John Densmore, who I guarantee you does not live in a fourteen million dollar home. Michael Jackson's estate is objecting to an ABC television documentary focusing on the final days of the Kings of Pop's life. God, these, these are worded so poorly. In a statement, the singer's estate said, The last days of Michael Jackson airing tonight is not sponsored or approved by his estate. In addition, the estate claims the two-hour special features intellectual property, including music and photos, without having licensed the rights to any such material. I've seen footage of him like on that This Is It tour, like just rehearsing, mm -hmm. and he's still like dancing incredibly well. He was like 200, wasn't he? <laughs> How old was he? I believe he's from the George Clinton Wookiee planet. You know what's weird? I saw Janet Jackson on the, uh, the Billboard Music Awards the other night. Yeah. He had so many surgeries, he ended up white. And she had so many surgeries, she ended up Asian. Yeah, have you seen her recently? <laughs> I did see it. it. I think her wardrobe played into that a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that might have had something to do with it. She has had a lot of nipping and a lot of tucking. And also, she had a kid at 50. Officials? Yeah. How is, how is that possible, by the that's way? Not, that's not healthy. Well, they bake it in another oven? Is that what happens? I guess. Are they, I like, can't imagine that her oven still... Got coals. I'm not sure how that all works. Especially in this analogy. Exactly. Which is now skewed beyond any sort of recognition. I don't know what we're talking about. Yeah, anymore. what are we talking I'm about? I'm not sure. Officials are looking into how marijuana-laced cookies ended up inside a Massachusetts adult care center. Denise Thompson says her sister Paula was at Minuteman Ark in Concord on May 8th when she stumbled upon a drawer filled with the cookies. She ate them and had a bad reaction, sending her to the emergency room. Thompson says not only was it irresponsible that there were pot cookies in the facility, but someone should have been keeping a close eye on her sister. State officials are investigating. Um, in Massachusetts, it's legal, right? I'm not sure about that. 
But I don't think that's good for an old folks home. No, they have, pa- I mean, they no longer look like, oh, that's a cookie. I mean, it has like, you know, warning, medicine, and all that kind of stuff uh, sort of emblazoned across the uh, the front of the packaging. But they're also incredibly hard to open now. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure that might have been one of the old stock. With my arthritis, I can't get this open. <laughs> but but this was- game of bridge is going to be lit. <laughs> <laughs> Pinochle is just cracking everybody up. Just saying, Pinochle. Want to play Pinochle? <laughs> Pinochle. A craft microbrewery in Delray Beach, Florida, believes they found a solution. Plastic six pack rings, of course, that can kill wildlife and hurt the environment, have been a big problem for a long time. These guys think they got the answer. After years of research and experimentation, the new rings made of wheat and barley. Hey! There you go. Can serve as a snack for marine life, but it's also biodegradable. A snack. We're giving marine life a snack. Hey, you know, those dolphins need a snack. I don't think this is a bad idea, Bill. Going this forward, is great. if we can make all our garbage snacks, we'll probably be a lot better off, even if they're just biodegradable. Not can we even throw some that- THC in there with the barley? <laughs> Get the dolphins high? They'll never find Nemo. Saltwater Brewery is working in conjunction with E6PR to create the rings and are hoping other breweries, both small and large, will buy into the new rings. Pretty cool. First the straws, now this. We're making progress. Craftbeer.com reports the rings are currently being tested with a small group of breweries. I had a cocktail this past weekend and they put a paper straw on it. Do you leave? I mean, you have to get used to it, you know? Like. Yeah. They're definitely. I don't understand how it works. I don't understand how a paper straw works. How does it not just? Well, it's made of a turn grade of paper that doesn't disintegrate right away. Okay, you know, and you can kind of use it like you would a normal straw. It's not any different, but it does. It has a little taste. It starts to to lose its integrity after a little while. You know what I mean? Then all of a sudden you're 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 you got a paper mache situation going on on your lips. Yeah, exactly. You're talking to somebody and you have just <laughs> flecks of paper all over you. And uh, lastly, a Catholic priest is hoping to make a difference in people's lives with his participation on season ten of NBC's America American Ninja Warrior. Father Stephen Gadbury told Catholic News Agency he hopes by competing on the show he can make members of the clergy look more human and approachable. Father Gadbury, who's also a physical trainer, says physical activity can be an easy gateway to a conversation with a spiritual leader. Father Gadbury decided to apply for the show after being challenged by a two-time contestant, Sean Bryan. Bryan gained attention by wearing a shirt with the colors of the papal flag that said Papal Ninja. Papal Ninja. There's an early um, Peter Jackson movie, which is, I think it's called, um, oh, God. It's Lord like this, of the Rings? No, but well, way before he did that, it's like Live Dead or something like that. It has some like uh, horror movie title like that. Mm-hmm. And there's a priest who's a badass in it. And at one point, he's like trying to kill all these zombies. And he's like, I kick ass for the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> And it's so funny, and he just starts beating ass. The power of price of has here. I kick ass for the Lord. All right, Mike Pursuit is coming in momentarily to talk sports, and there's a lot to talk about. The NFL owner's decision 
to uh, change up how they do the national anthem is generating all kinds of controversy. The president has weighed in on it this morning and said you should be deported if you don't stand for the national anthem. That's probably going to uh, make things a little more uh, combustible here going forward as these talks continue with the NFLPA and the owners. But the owners say, hey, this is the new rule. AB calls out Lev Bell. Called him out. Straight up called him out and said, you got to be here. And Game 7 between the Capitals and the Lightning last night goes Ovi's way. And the Washington Capitals finally get over the hump and into the Stanley Cup Final. Michael have full details on that in a little bit. I want to remind you, the Doug Loves Movie podcast has been added to the DVE Comedy Festival. Comedian Doug Benson coming to town. And he is going to be putting on a show 420 on June 30th at the Rex Theater which we're, uh, we're very much looking forward to. Yeah, I can't wait for this show. Here he is, uh, Doug Loves Movies, with uh, our friend Bill Burr on the show. Here's a little uh, clip at what you'll be seeing on... I hope this has been bleeped. <laughs> June 30th at the Rex Theater. Doug, This is from Doug Loves Movies podcast. I'm, I'm over nerds. I've had it. They're just <laughs> everywhere. Well, you in the right building. Yeah. But... <laughs> I don't even know if people here are nerds. It's like, it's the fashion. They're sitting underneath the, the Dharma Initiative uh, sign. Yeah, but it's, it's mainstream now. Oh, okay. Being a nerd is really mainstream. Yeah, it's and true. everybody, like, I've just ever Comic Con is all about the Twilight films. Everybody's, like, awkward and unsure of themselves. Yeah, and nerds. And I'm now, not buying it. We go up to lacrosse players and knock their axe body spray out of their hands. <laughs> That used to be. How long are you going to play the with victim? With encyclopedias. How I'm long are you going to play the victim? I'm wearing a black T-shirt. I'm not a nerd. I'm a boy. Yeah, enough already. <laughs> You're a grown man in your thirties. I'm thirty-three. Have, have a f- conversation <laughs> with this f- awkwardness. Fourteen, like you're on a first f- date. It's just like, and then the pressure's on me. I got to hold up the whole conversation now. That's why you like the superheroes, because you have the option of flying away when it gets all weird. <laughs> That's Bill Burr with Pete Holmes on yeah. the Doug Loves Movies podcast, and uh, that's kind of what it's like there. You know, you talk a lot of they talk a lot about movies, Ton about pop movies. culture, and yeah, stuff they like do that. they do movie movie trivia, and then comics, all like his comic friends always come in for the show, mm-hmm. and you know they're talking movies, and it ends up just a conversation. But it's the the baseline of it all is just loving movies and talking about movies and problems with movies. And it's you a know. game show as well. It's, it's awesome. A lot of audience participation. You'll have a blast. It's the third show of the DVE Comedy Festival. Doug Benson, Doug Loves Movies, the podcast, 420 on 630. Tickets available at DVE.com. Mike's got your sports now. DVE Sports. Mike Pasuda's got your sports right now on the DVE morning show. And man, for a Thursday before Memorial Day weekend, there sure <laughs> is a buttload of stuff to talk about. The city that never sleeps, right? My Lord. A lot going on. Let's start at Steelers OTAs. And uh, let's start this hour with Ramon Foster reacting to the NFL's anthem policy. Case, Big uh, ragu. In case you haven't heard, uh, the NFL is no longer going to tolerate players kneeling on the sideline during the national anthem. But the NFL is also no longer going to require players to be on the sideline. For the national anthem, there is a policy statement that was issued yesterday at the conclusion of the league's spring meeting in Atlanta. Uh, it uh, maintains that uh, all team and league personnel on the field shall stand and show respect for the flag and the anthem. 
The game operations manual will be revised to remove the requirement that all players be on the field for the anthem. Personnel who choose not to stand for the anthem may stay in the locker room or in a similar location off the field until after the anthem has been performed. A club will be fined by the league if its personnel are on the field and do not stand and show respect for the flag and the anthem. Seems to be a recurring reference here to uh, standing and showing respect for the flag and the anthem. Very deliberate verbiage. Each club may develop its own work rules consistent with the above principles regarding the personnel who do not stand and show respect for the flag and the anthem. And last but not least, the commissioner will impose appropriate discipline on league personnel who do not stand and show respect for the flag and the anthem. Uh, Reaction uh, nationally has ranged from uh, this is an outrage to what took you so long. Uh, Reaction locally, uh, what do the Steelers think about this? Uh, Ramon Foster talked about that yesterday after OTA number two. I have no rejection to it in a sense, but um, when we're talking about you know constitutional rights and stuff like that, that's something where they can get a little blended, but there's also workplace rules too. So to say they're wrong, you you know, weed is legal in certain states, you still can't smoke it in the NFL. So um, we'll deal with it. Uh, we'll be one of those teams that'll make it a non-issue. Um, if there is an issue, we'll handle it too. I mean, that's as nuanced as a response as you're going to get. I mean, and it's tough to have that because Rational, you're, right? you're expected to come. Yeah, yeah. he's saying, I don't like it. But, I think it infringes upon my civil liberties. But, but I they, like being an NFL player. But I like it, doing that. And so I have to decide for me whether I want to work for people who will infringe upon my civil rights. Now, the problem with this is, Mike, I don't think they solved anything. I think they made it a lot worse. They changed the configuration. That's <laughs> all they did. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know that anybody knows what's going to happen. No. Uh, I think it's going to continue to be an issue, which is probably not what they were shooting for. For his part this morning, the president said uh, that they think he thinks any player who stays in the locker room maybe shouldn't be in this country. I wish he would stick to politics and stay out of my sports. Well, Actually, he, I wish he wouldn't stick to that either. But. Well, it, it, this is part of it all. It, there's going to be people who are going to be trying to you know, keep this uh, fight going because it is in their best interest politically. Then there are the owners who just want it to go away. There are plenty of owners who respect their players' rights to to peacefully protest, but also just want to get onto the business of football, which is what almost all fans want. And it's a hard thing. I personally want them to be able to express their First Amendment rights. I want them to be able to peacefully protest without having the wrath of the NFL fan base Come down on them. Yes. That that's not where this country is right now. So I would like them to do that on their own time. I I, I would not like them to do that when they are wearing a uniform and representing an organization that they are not hired to speak for. Uh, well, they're hired to play ball. I understand that that argument too. This is my yeah. point. I get the arguments. There's no easy solution. It requires discussion and nuance. And by doing what they did. Which is to say, oh, you don't want to, pro- you don't want to uh, stand. Well, you can sit in the locker room. You don't even have to come out. As if that were some kind of solution. The cameras are still going to show those people running out of the locker rooms. They are still going to be pariahs. It's Whether going they to be a story one way or the other. Reverentially yeah. kneeling or I guess, not. I think people are going to find that a whole lot less offensive. But that might just be me. There's no way. Are you kidding me? We would no, have found out. That's how I think. That's how I feel. I, I would rather not see a guy kneel. If he wants to wait in there and come out, I'm, I'm not begrudging They'll, him that. That's you. Yes. So, I don't. you know, am I the only one that's going to think that way? Yeah. 
The only guy yeah. in America. Yeah. If you don't want to come out for the anthem, if you don't Just want to stand him. with your team, you think that fan bases will wow. allow people to protest that way? It's the idea of protest in the at all that is what's pissing them off here. So the NFL has not really solved anything here. I think this this was sort of a half-assed uh, well, according solution. To, according to Goodell, it was almost full-assed. Uh, <laughs> He said uh, it was unanimously unanimously approved by the team owners who voted. Now, San Francisco owner Jed York uh, did not vote, he said, uh, in part due to a lack of player involvement in the decision process. Now, one of the initial questions that has to be answered is whether or not this is kosher in terms of uh, the collective bargaining agreement. Uh, can they just unilaterally enforce this, or do the players have to have a say? Uh NFL owners have uh, probably some pretty good lawyers, and I imagine the NFL play has NFLPA has some pretty good lawyers, so they can fight it out at eight zillion dollars an hour. <laughs> I just I want this to go away, and I think ultimately it's just it comes down to is this a deal breaker for you? For me, it's not. I'm going to watch the game regardless. This is not something oh, I... Especially I now that you s- can bet on it, right? <laughs> right. So you're not allowed to punch in a bet during the National Anthem if you got that app on your phone. <laughs> I just wish the NFL would have included the NFLPA if they had the Players Association involved in the talks. Right. If, if their way to compromise in, involved more of a discussion of, well, how can we help address these issues that are concerning you. The reason why you are kneeling, and kneeling, of course, was uh, the suggestion of Green Beret Nate Boyer, who was working with Kaepernick, and said, take a knee, don't sit. It's reverential in the Green Berets to kneel and pay homage to uh, to other soldiers. So do it that way. Uh, that has been, of course, picked apart and misconstrued and uh, now represents something else entirely. But if the ownership would have worked with the players in an effort to show we are addressing these concerns, we're listening to you here, and we want to help you, while simultaneously saying, can you work with us on the anthem? I think it might have gone a lot a lot longer. It would have gone a long way towards addressing the concerns of the players without them feeling like, I still need to raise the, this issue. I still need to protest. Right. Well, the commission would tell you that uh, the players were involved. Uh, this is according to the uh, NFL.com story. He said, and I quote, there have been incredible engagement with the players. We've talked to tens, if not hundreds of players about this. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> tens. I'm not making this up. Over the last year or so to get their input, to understand their position, and again, to respect them as I think we've stated here. Uh, one of the things he did say that made sense is uh, – the root of this issue is misunderstanding. Uh, quote, it was unfortunate that on-field protests created a false perception among many that thousands of NFL players were unpatriotic. This is not and was never the case. I right. Right. That, right. That's my argument. I my argument the nail on the head there, if nowhere else. My, my argument is that the league reacted exactly how you would expect a corporation to react. They have to enact some sort of policy to protect their bottom line. And if it's pissing off more than half the fan base, you got to do something. But the players, to me, have to rethink what they're doing because their form of protest to start a conversation was almost unanimously misunderstood. Yes. So the conversation they wanted to start never happened because nobody is listening to them 
after they kneel for the anthem. As soon as you take a knee, you shut off a whole portion of a people who you're trying to start a conversation with because they just can't get past that. You made it about something that it's not about. It was never about the anthem. So by protesting during the anthem, you made it about the anthem. Again, I go back to what if this was about something else? What if somebody was kneeling in support of veterans who are mistreated in this country, who are not taken care of and cared for, who are routinely turned away when they need medical and mental health treatment and you know, the VA, you know, the president puts, uh, you know, good time Charlie in charge of the VA there. If someone was out speaking in, uh, in for veterans rights, how differently might that be interpreted? Uh, I don't know. It's... If it happened during the anthem, it would probably be misinterpreted. You think yeah. so? I, like, <laughs> yes. you, to your point, it would never get to the discussion of why they were kneeling. It would always be about that they were. You, you just you have to think, OK, if if the end result that we're looking for is a conversation, is a debate. Or is just compromise or, you know, talking about something. The vehicle we use has to be effective. If it's, it's like Ben being sarcastic. It didn't work. Everybody misunderstood it. Right. You, you can't have, do it anymore. You got to try something else. You could have the greatest point in the world. And if nobody wants to listen to you because of the way you're delivering it, then it's going to fail. Or it's, like, it's not going to be understood. Right. But then when you call out and you for, when you the problem with that is I agree with you 100 percent. But again, this is a nuanced conversation for the people who are doing that when they're told, no, you have to stand when you force their patriotism, when you force them to do something. Now that it's, it's a different discussion. Now, now you're calling them out and saying uh, your freedom, my freedom is, uh, uh, you know, my chocolate's in your peanut butter right now. Yeah, well, that's, uh, you know, the, the constitutional issue part of it is deeper than most people think, too. Um, meaning? Meaning there are workplace rules, as Ramon said. Right. You don't just get to do whatever the F you want oh, no. whenever the F you want to do it. You just don't. That's not how the Constitution there, works. There okay? are ramifications for, for freedom of yeah. speech, as we see all the time. That lawyer in New York is probably not going to have as many clients this week as he did before his racist tirade last week. There are uh, consequences. And while we debate the First Amendment, don't even get me started on the second. I, we weren't going there at all. Because people misinterpret that all the time as well. But we're not going there. Okay, good. But if this, if the NFL doesn't fix this, we're going to have to talk about this. <laughs> we might. <laughs> That's great. Are you allowed to pack heat in a, a Steelers game? Are you allowed to pack heat in an NFL game? No. No. Just the referee. There's the gun. <laughs> Stephen Colbert had a funny joke. He said, the NFL's newest referee, and it was a picture of that lady in Oakland that called the cops on the black barbecue. <laughs> She's going to be busy this season. Well, so the president has now said that those people should be deported if they don't stand, and I think this is going to have the effect of a can that's not being kicked down the road, but it's being filled with explosives. You know, and the, the whole misinterpreting the point thing, uh, I, I remember Marquise Pouncey reacting emotionally last year after that whole Chicago thing occurred in week three. And he announced shortly thereafter, he said, we will stand. Everybody's going to stand for the national. We're not jerks. We're not unpatriotic. We're right. not trying to disrespect the military. It, if, I, if that's what needs to be done to clear that up, then that would, to me, seemingly be yeah. a small and acceptable gesture. Well, I think that Art Rooney standing with the commissioner yesterday during the press conference went a long way to 
emphasize this organization's support for that stance. Because the fan base here was livid about how things went down in Chicago. Yes, they were. Yes, they were. Not just here. I mean, that's why this is that. This is not a knee-jerk reaction. This is the. I don't know that this is going to work. I'm curious to see how it plays out, as everyone probably is. But uh, they felt like they had to do something. Yeah, I don't think they're. I don't think they went to the league meeting and said, "How can we mess with the players' association right. now? Let's do this." I mean, I think they're a little scared's not the right word, but. Uh, Maybe uh, compelled to do something to uh, protect their business. Everybody just wants to get back to playing football. Yeah, they want Except to figure Le'Veon. out how to do that. Except Le'Veon. Except All right, we're gonna take a break. We'll come back. Do some Le'Veon. Do then? some Le'Veon news. And Ovi's going to the final. Got over the hump. The Capitals are facing off against the Golden Knights for the Stanley Cup. All right, Mike Pursuta rejoining us here, talking a little bit more about Steelers OTAs and Antonio Brown. You know, as frustrating as he can be in the water cooler moments, in the Facebook living in the locker room, there is never any doubting this guy's dedication. He's all in all the time. And so when others aren't, it really gets on his nerves. Yeah, he uh, made an interesting, a uh, couple of interesting observations yesterday. Uh, this one regarding running back Le'Veon Bell. Well, the first rule of getting better is showing up. You know, you can't make anything better without showing up. So, you know, I think if he show up, you know what I mean, make everyone understand where he want to be. He want to be here for not this this year, for years to come. You know, come out here and show up. You know, show up and get better and show God you're serious. Pretty strong words, right? Uh, show God you're what? Show guys. Oh, guys. Okay. And then it trailed off. I think he said, show guys you're serious. Okay. Which, which the Steelers perceive Bell to be. And uh, Brown also said that uh, while he thinks – Bell should show up. Uh, he thinks that uh, Bell's alternative course of action is not an issue among his teammates. I don't think so. We, we all know Le'Veon's a competitor. He's always highly conditioned. Uh, we know he's going to be taking care of his body and putting himself in high condition. Uh, that's one thing about Le'Veon that makes him special. He takes his game serious. Uh, there's no, never a question or doubt about his game. Is he physically ready? I know when you walk in the building and whenever he show up, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get a guy who's ready to take four to 500 carries, a guy who's willing to run, catch the ball, a guy who could do it all. Yeah. Four to 500 carries is a little bit of an exaggeration, but a league leading 321 yeah. last year. Le'Veon Bell uh, piling up the numbers last season, and uh, it's hard to imagine him doing uh, more than he did. 321 carries for... 1,291 yards, 85 catches for 655 yards. But that said, you can always do better. And as Antonio Brown pointed out, the way to get better is to show up. Uh, Antonio Brown, uh, no matter what kind of numbers he piles up, he finds something in his game that he thinks he can improve and he works to improve it. Uh, Ramon Foster uh, came down on the side of Brown in terms of uh, the Steelers not having an issue with Le'Veon Bell. He has no obligation. My thing with that and everybody else is, you know, the business side handles itself. Uh, I'm sure he's working his butt off like he always is. He did the same thing last year as far as the many days as he missed, and he was number two in rushing. So uh, we're not worried about that part. 
And uh, Antonio Brown also added that he is uh, in contact with Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, we text. You know, I tell him how his tape's not that good, you know, how he, how he need to come out here and play with me. But, you know, all that don't matter. You know, he's got to take it as busy. His tape's not that good. OTA number three today. Wonder what's going to happen today. Ah, uh, who knows? You know, usually these are really low key kind of. Eh, yeah. Let's go talk to the third round pick. Let's go talk to this free agent rookie because he's got an interesting story. But Ben, not in the Steelerverse. Let's ben rehash the playoff game last year. Lev Bell getting called out. Players' reaction to the uh, to the anthem changes. I wonder what Alejandro Villanueva is going to say about it. You know, after Chicago... I'll tell you, if I'm him, I am anywhere but this outside today. Oh, yeah. No, I agree with you. He said he fought for their right to peacefully pro- protest, and he, he totally supported everybody's right to do it. And I wonder what he's going to think of those changes. Does he think that that infringes on those rights? It's just, it's interesting. There is no, no way for this to turn out good for the NFL. Because you're never going to convince... no way. There's, you're never going to convince people who find it to be... Uh, uh, you know, infringing on their rights to be happy with a solution that would keep them from being able to protest, and you're never going to get people who are pissed about them protesting to be okay with the reason why they're doing it. It's uh, one of them no-win situations. It, it just depends. I, I thought, to an extent, it was dying down last year. It was, it was. There were only a couple of people kneeling by the end. It was a huge issue in September. By the end of the season, it was, eh. People get bored with it like everything else because we all we all have ADD all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. So, does this become a hot button thing all year? Or are we going to be in the press boxes from Atlanta to Seattle with our binoculars trained on the locker room tunnel, waiting to see who comes out late? Or by October, or is everybody going to say to hell with it? Caps are going to the Stanley Cup final. They beat uh, Tampa Bay. Seven to not or four to nothing in Game Seven last night. Alex Ovechkin scored one minute and two seconds in. This will be Alex Ovechkin's first trip to the Stanley Cup Final. On the other side, Mark Andre Fleury will be uh, poised to play his first minutes in a Stanley Cup Final since 2009. That's a compelling matchup. And the Pirates beat the Reds five four in 12 innings. They've got another with Cincinnati in Cincinnati. This afternoon, Vasquez should change his name back till he gets it figured out, Mike. Yeah, uh, thanks for uh, pointing out my error last hour. It wasn't uh, two blown saves in this series. Last night was his second blown save in as many opportunities. Mm-hmm. He also blew one on Sunday. Right. That's uh, they gotta not have that happen very, very much the rest of the <laughs> year. Try to stop doing that. Very. Uh, well, I don't want to say huge win, but uh, given the losing streak they were on, and given that they were up four-one in the eighth inning. That was a good game for them to bounce back and uh, figure out a way to win. Agreed. You don't want those threads to start coming out of the hoodie. Oh, never want that. What a great line that was, by the way. That's yeah, that was awesome. The New England saga. Oh, yeah. The threads are starting to come off. Oh, yeah, dude. It's unraveling. Once you start pulling them. Oh, I know. It's all unraveling up there. You know, anytime, like, because this is going to happen with the Penguins eventually, where their dominance is going to come to an end, Sid stops playing, Gino stops playing, be unlikely that they would pick up that caliber of a superstar right away. And when that happens, most times it's just a function of, well, their time is done, and they don't go away fighting and screaming, and it isn't ugly. So there was no point where the Patriots 
rain wasn't going to be satisfying to Steelers fans. Like, ah, it's over now. In some way, shape, or form, it was always going to be satisfying to watch them not win anymore. But if that coincides with them jawing at each other and besmirching their own legacy by calling each other out and trying to take more credit than the other person and petty infighting is their ultimate undoing, that's so much more fun than just watching Brady retire and Gronk call it a, a, a day, you know? Yeah, that seems like they're uh, trending in that direction. But I, I think it's – I don't know that they're destined to implode this year. But No, but it's – The clock's ticking now. You uh, can, the clock is definitely – It's around the, the corner. The trade of Garoppolo was, I think, a benchmark for the beginning of the end with this group. Might have been. Because that story came out mm-hmm. almost immediately after that, and you started to get a peek inside and find out that Brady and Belichick might not be uh, – vacationing together in the offseason. Tim Benz from Trib Live Sports, 845. The band Bad Custer will be performing live in the Point Park University stage for Manny's DVE Coffee House. Great local band. And also Big Cat from Barstool Sports. Pardon my take podcast coming up at 815 here on DVE. High of 85 today. Get out and enjoy it at 804. It's 59 degrees right now at DVE. Is it 808 or is it 804? It's 808. 808. Computer's four minutes behind over here. All right, Kenny Wood is up for a nomination in USA Today's 10 Best Reader's Choice Awards. The Pittsburgh Amusement Park's Phantom's Revenge is nominated for Best Roller Coaster in the Nation. At last check, it was ranked third behind Phoenix at Nobles Amusement Resort in Ellisburg, Pennsylvania, and Goliath at Six Flags Magic Mountain in Los Angeles County, California. Voting is open at 10best.com. So go vote for uh, Kenny Wood. That roller coaster just celebrated, I believe, either twenty or twenty-five years. That's not the one. The guy. What was the one the guy rode like for a hundred years until he passed away a couple years the ago? The Jackrabbit. Jackrabbit. Okay. Yeah, that's the ancient one. Yeah. What? You there... read that like five thousand times. And they got rid of the the old mill. Is that what they got rid of this year? No, they got rid of the log jammer. Log jammer. Okay. Yeah. And now they're they're going to have some Thomas the Train ride or something. Okay. Population dips across Green County. The population across Green County going down. According to population estimates released yesterday by the U.S. Census Bureau, all 26 municipalities in the county have declined. The information shows a 5% drop in population from 2010 through 2017 with nearly 2,000 people gone. County Commissioner Blair Zimmerman says a large part of that percentage is due to retirees moving south for warmer weather. This is where you need a cult. You get the Rajneeshis to come back and populate Green County. Got to find a cult. You have to find a cult leader first. You got to find a good cult leader. Yeah. Can you go over to India and look for a? <laughs> I don't know. The next cult leader. Imagine the deal that the uh, city and county leaders might be able to put together, like we're doing for Amazon right now, to lure a cult to Green County <laughs> and up that population. <laughs> Julia Louis Dreyfus will receive the Mark Twain Prize for American Humor. They're honoring the Veep star. She'll award. She'll receive the award at the gala performance in October. She just received an Emmy last year for Best Actress in a Comedy for her Veep role. Veep is such a good show. Such a great show. It's awesome. She's the first person to ever receive six Emmys for a single role. Interesting. I wonder who's closest to that. I bet Frasier. Kelsey Grammer. The news of her latest honor comes in the midst of her battle against breast cancer. Uh, So congrats to Julie Louis-Dreyfus, who is uh, eminently likable. Truly. 
I mean, and she's always funny. And she married uh, a guy from SNL back in the day when she was on SNL, the guy that did the news, Brad, I can't remember his last name now, but he is her husband, and they are still together. And she just kept getting more wow. and more beautiful, and uh, he's not. But, I mean, good for him. Funny guy. She aged well. He didn't. And she comes from a billionaire estate. The Dreyfus people. I don't know if it's a foundation or whatever it is, but she comes from billionaires. So she's got a nice life. She doesn't need to do this. Arrested development actress Jessica Walter is calling out her co-star Jeffrey Tambor for alleged verbal harassment. The 77-year-old revealed during a New York Times interview with Tambor and other cast members that he used to yell at her on the set of the show. She said it was difficult to deal with, but she wants to let go of her anger and forgive him so they can be friends again. Tambor, who admitted to a blow-up he had with Walter recently to The Hollywood Reporter, uh, one he said he profusely apologized for. The actor recently was fired from the show Transparent over allegations of inappropriate behavior and sexual harassment. It's a sit-down interview with the entire cast, and Jason Bateman comes off looking terrible in it. Because he's literally like telling Jessica Walter she deserved it, and to hush up, let's make this better for Jeffrey... Hasn't he already apologized? They got lambasted online for this. And so this morning at like 6.30, Jason Bateman put out a series of tweets which basically uh, said, man, did I screw up. I read it back. I listened to the tape of the interview back, and I had it all wrong, and I came across as trying to silence Jessica and defend Jeffrey Tambor, which was not my intent. So that whole interview was a mess for the cast of Arrested Development. It did not play well. Especially because the the actress who plays, I think her name's maybe on the show, they uh, totally, she was trying to point out, hey, you can't excuse his behavior. And they're like, quiet, quiet. <laughs> like it, you, it was a bad look. Sh- shut, you shut up. Sh- sh- shut your mouth. Sh- shut up. So maybe he, when he was playing the Hank on the Larry Sanders shows for, for I mean, what, seven seasons? Hey, no. And he was a jerk all the time. That was less of a great acting performance and more of him just being himself. Uh, and, uh, is that it? We got Big Cat lined up? Almost? All right. That's pretty much all you got. I do want to remind you that Doug Benson's Doug Love Movies podcast coming to the DVE Comedy Fest Saturday, June 30th. It's the third show of our DVE Comedy Festival. Here's a look at what the Doug Loves Movies podcast is like live with his guest, Pete Holmes. You know what I didn't like, Doug? What? Dark Knight Rises. Gave it another try today. Can I say some things that might be spoilers? Hey, just skip forward if you haven't seen that movie yet. Okay. You know what's weird about that movie? Can I tell you this? <laughs> How does Bane eat? <laughs> See, I'm sleepy, but I'm here for you. I'm Bill Burr for you, man. I'm here for you. <laughs> Bane kicks the shit out of Batman. Spoiler. It's on the poster. <laughs> relax. So then they put Bruce Wayne. The poster Wayne. has the, the entirety of a fight scene on it? The poster has the broken mask yeah. on it. Oh. <laughs> one time I talked about Dark Knight, uh, the first one, I said two phases in it, and someone went, hey, spoiler! It's like, okay, there are spoilers hanging up all over town, you stupid That's what I said. So Bane beats the shit out of Batman, then flies him to his prison. His weird prison is in, like, Indonesia. 
It's like a 17-hour flight to put him in, like he has nostalgia for his weird hole prison. He's like, I'm going to put... And he goes with him? That's when he wakes up and he's like, now you'll have my permission to die. You took a, like, 30-hour round trip to threaten me in your home court prison? Your plan to take over Gotham allotted travel days? You were just gone for a couple days and came back? that movie. If I get more frequent flyer miles, I'll get to meet a pilot. <laughs> Doug Loves Movies. Alright, so that's Pete Holmes on the Doug Loves Movies podcast, and you can see it live here in Pittsburgh at the Rex Theater on Saturday, June 30th, part of the DVE Comedy Festival. Joining us right now from the wildly popular Pardon My Take podcast, Barstool Sports on Big Cat. Big Cat! What's going on, man? How are you? What's up, boys? I assume that you wanted me on this morning to talk about James Harden versus Steph Curry and how we think the Warriors are going to make adjustments in Game 5. That we were going to talk about yep. that, and I want to talk That's about exactly those upstart right. Celtics as well and celebrate. <laughs> Nothing but basketball talk here in Pittsburgh. Yes, yes. What's going on, boys? Dude, I saw you were at Game 7 last night. Yeah, that must have been awesome. Uh, yeah, it was fun. I, I have to be fully honest with you guys. Uh, going to a Game 7 hockey game when your team's not in it is not as fun as when your team is in it. Yeah. So it, was, uh, it, was good to, it was good to be there. It was a fun atmosphere. I missed the game-winning goal because I was getting a beer, and the game-winning goal happened two minutes into the game. But uh, it was, I was happy for PFT, and uh, I know you guys didn't want to have him on today so he could gloat in your face. In the oh, no. Case. You know what? That we we correct. did want him on today, but I told our producer, Joe, I said, you know what? He's going to get banged up tonight, regardless whether let they win celebrate. or lose. Let, let him sleep or celebrate. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. So it was a good night for them, um, and it was a fun night. I, I, I lost about $200 on the 50-50. <laughs> How many 50-50s did you buy? Uh, I bought. I, I always do the same thing. I always get a hundred dollars the minute I walk in the door, and then I usually uh, like you know do a little pray and spray during during the game. Get get twenty here, forty here. Try to get my numbers uh, a little variety on my numbers. Right. Yeah. How do you keep track of all of those numbers? Like you ripped up well, your your tickets so quickly. Yeah, I didn't even have the second number, so I bought two hundred dollars <laughs> worth of tickets, and they were like one three, and all my numbers were like one four, one five, or two one, or whatever. So I didn't even have the second number in the combination. Oh, uh, dude, you only what got... was the pot last night? I think it was like fifty five thousand, so kind of weak for for game seven. But I, I, I would I would imagine Tampa. I mean, the the actual uh, inside the game is actually a really cool atmosphere here. I, I was here in two thousand fifteen when the Hawks were in the Cup. Um, and I came to game two. But, yeah, I'd imagine Tampa Bay is not, like, a, a huge hockey town, so the city's not going to get to the Canadian levels or uh, <laughs> some of the original six levels stuff. Big like Cat, that. you know, being from a cold uh, climate like we are, you're a Chicago guy rooting for Chicago sports out in the snow, roughing through uh, crappy weather to go see the Blackhawks play for most of the season. You know, you earn uh, y- your fandom through uh, you know battling the elements a lot of times don't you kind of feel when you go down to those warm weather towns and they're rooting on their team that they don't care that much if they lose because they're like oh hockey's over all right let's just go outside and beat yeah get to do whatever we want and go to the beach and, and have beers and everything's fine and we'll forget about it where when you're in the cold weather town you have to stew in that misery yeah, no, it's absolutely true. And I actually was talking to a Tampa guy last night, and he admitted it. And he said that he, he, the way he put it, which is 
a perfect way to say it is most people down here, they look at a game like Game 7 and they're like, okay, it's a $100 ticket or I could put $50 in my boat and spend a day out in the ocean. So it's it's like a pretty easy choice for a lot of people. So I get it. And yeah, they they don't they don't have it. And then with all that said, we have you know the Knights in in the Stanley Cup. So yeah. you guys really don't deserve it. <laughs> Just one year in, uh, Mark Andre Fleury gets to face his uh, former nemesis in uh, Ovechkin. I can't help but thinking that th- that being a big night for PFT last night, it had a lot to do with Deadspin finally, uh, you know, releasing him. From his uh, from his uh, uh, nom de plume, there they they yeah. they revealed his identity, and he's free from the shackles. Uh, he no longer has to live in anonymity. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he was a little disappointed because obviously he thought that the uh, the joke was was funnier when he was a man of mystery, and uh, the last couple of days haven't been super fun for him because he didn't expect it to happen just just out of, out of kind of spite by Deadspin, but. I've told him, I mean, I've been in the Internet Wars, uh, you know, uh, eventually the first one always stings. So I think that was what, what really got him was it was, the, it was the first time he's been the target of something, some kind of, you know, hit piece or whatever you, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of told him, like, look, this just happened. Like, if you stay on the Internet long enough, it's kind of like the old, uh, the old saying, like, if you're in business long enough and you don't have any, and you've never been sued, you're doing business wrong. Like, if you've been in the internet for a really long time, you're going to get in these kind of battles or, or, you know, scuff ups. So the first one really hurts. And then eventually it just becomes second nature and it rolls off your back. So I, I think he learned that. I didn't really understand the conceit of the entire piece because it seemed to me that they, that they had trouble uh, with the fact that he got to sort of not have to have an opinion of, with his real personality which, if you're doing it as a character, you're in effect having that anyways. I mean, it wasn't like fans of the show are don't know who he is. That they, right. You know, it's like whether whatever he calls himself, it doesn't matter. There are times when he is being satirical and times when he is clearly representing his own viewpoints. And if you have half a brain, you can distinguish between the two. Right. And like everything in life, there's I think there's a little bit of jealousy in it because I don't think it's a coincidence that this came out uh, and this kind of story was written uh, only a couple weeks after that Business Daily article came out saying that we're basically printing money with Art My Take, which uh, I don't know if it was exactly the truth. I love also that everyone sees these numbers and they think that PFT and I get like a big check after every podcast, right. like job well done. Here's, here's like a big novelty check for $50,000. <laughs> but um, I think that that has part of it too. I think they see success. I think they see Barstool continually going up. I mean, you just look at what we've done in the last, uh, like, three days. My boss won the U.S. Open Championship on Monday. <laughs> we had Coach O on the podcast. Yeah. We've been, you know, we've been driving around south, uh, having a great time out of an RV. So these kind of things, I think, I think people see it, and the people who don't like us, they really, really hate it. And because they see we're having fun and we're doing fun things for our job, and uh, but you know, like I said, it's, it's these are the things that you have to kind of deal with being out there in the open, and and I think PFT learned that this week. You can't control what people say; you can only control how you react. And I like his reaction because basically, what they tried to do at Deadspin was they outed Batman is really Bruce Wayne, and he killed. His real life. He he killed off Bruce Wayne and said, "All right, I'm going to live as Batman now." 
Yeah, yeah, I mean... R.I.P. Eric. Yeah, the one benefit was they called him for comments that we knew was coming, and it was like, all right, how can, how can, what's the best way to deal with it? And we were all in the RV driving for Georgia, and it was Hank, myself, and PFT, and we're like, you know what, Let's, you know, you should just take it away from them, just post a blog. Being like, no, I, this is who I am, and uh, let's move on. So I think it, I think it was the best way uh, to deal with it. He dealt with it really well in that respect. Well, how are you guys? Uh, where do you come down on the NFL's decision uh, with the national anthem that was reported yesterday? I don't understand why they keep uh, bringing up the anthem, and because I think I you already see the president is tweeting about it, and it feels like they're. Like, the more they talk about it, it's almost like Fight Club. Like, stop talking about it. Stop, like, you right. know, if people want to protest, they should have the right to protest. But the more and more, the, the, the NFL almost feels like the, their reaction and their overreaction to everything makes it a million times worse. It's so true. They, and, uh, yeah, the president said you should be deported. <laughs> Maybe you should be deported right. if you don't stand there. So there's no, you know, there's no end to talking about it. If you keep bringing it up, by the end of the season, I think there were only like six players total that were kneeling. It had seemed to talking about it. Yeah, no one was talking about it. Right, and and so and like I'm not like the protest. I think when when the protest wave started, it was effective. It got a conversation going. I think a lot of the guys who were kneeling uh, would say that you know some of the things that they were trying to get accomplished, at least to get like their eyes on the issues, worked. And so then they stopped protesting because once it worked. What's the point of doing it anymore? Now the NFL is like, we're six months past all that, and they're bringing it up again and making it news again. And it's like, God, you guys can't figure it out how to get out of your own way with these issues. How do you feel about Hard Knocks being the Baker Mayfield show this year? Uh, I mean, I love it because I think it's going to be great to watch. What is funny is the fact that Baker Mayfield, I like Baker Mayfield. I think Baker Mayfield is going to be a good quarterback, but the issue and the knock on him was he could be a sideshow of sorts. He could be a distraction of sorts. And then immediately he comes to Cleveland and they get hard knocks. And do you think for one second that the Cleveland Browns get hard knocks if, if they don't draft Baker Mayfield, if they draft Sam Darnold instead? So it's like he almost proved exactly what all the knock on him mm-hmm. was. I, and hard knocks, if you look in the last you know four or five years, the teams that get hard knocks, have not done well, but uh, I, I guess that doesn't work in this case because the Browns can't do worse. <laughs> that is right? true. That is true. They could lose every preseason game. I don't know how you go down from zero and sixteen. Yeah. So, there, so are you guys? Are you guys worried at all about the Browns? I am. I'm always you worried are. about the Browns. Here's why: because our defense is going to stink out of the gate this year because we're completely reconfiguring things. And uh, you know, who I don't even know if that guy's going to end up starting. I think he's third on the death chart right now. But something just tells me. It's like primed for, for that kid to come in, run all over the field, and beat us with a late touchdown. And that's how we start our season, casting a pall over the 2018 quest for another Lombardi. And horrible QB picks aside, they've, they've been picking in the top 10 for a decade. So they're bound to be good at some point. Right. Yeah. No, it's true. And the, the Steelers do feel like a team that always has at least like one or two head-scratcher losses a year. And the Browns would be would be a candidate for it if Baker can put something together. Without a doubt. All right, the last thing I have for you, uh, talking with Big Cat from Pardon My Take Podcast, Barstool Sports uh, Signature Podcast. Uh, let me ask you this: You're friends with Lenny Dykstra. What do you think his Uber rating is right now? Oh, 
I saw that story. It was a tough day for for uh, for uh, people who have appeared on part of my case. You guys, uh, you guys, there's a little Richie bit of incognito. Uh, yeah. you, Richie yeah. Incognito is what? What did they declare him? He was like psychologically, it like psychiatric hold. That's what they placed yeah. him on. I'm I so I I have so the two answers are for both those guys. One for Richie, I'm legitimately concerned because I do not think that like it doesn't seem like he's doing well. Uh, he's been acting very weird in the last couple of months with you know the retirement and other retirement. Lenny was maybe the least shocking news of all time. Uh, <laughs> we right. call Lenny. We stopped prank calling him once he came into the office, and we realized he was very much not well. Uh, but we did know that he carried a gun. Then he walked into our office in uh, in New York with a gun, and uh, not like flashing it or anything. But we knew that he, like, if someone had told us that he always carries, you know, with a piece. And so having him, uh, you know, pulled over and have a, have a gun and all that stuff, not exactly shocking for old Nail. No. <laughs> Nail's Uber rating is, is definitely hovering around zero right Negative now. Negative five? Yeah. Yeah. It's worse than Hank's, and Hank is banned from Uber. So, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he's going to have to use Lyft going forward. And the irony of uh, an offensive lineman being placed on involuntary psychiatric hold, though, I mean, that's at least is that 15 yards. I believe so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I'd agree. Poor Richie. Well, uh, always a pleasure to talk with you, man, and uh, hope uh, hope we'll get to uh, congratulate PFT in the near future. I know he's beyond elated that his Capitals have finally made it to the Stanley Cup final. Just remind him for us. He's got four more W's to go yet. Yeah, listen, I was. I mean, yesterday some Tampa fan came up to me and was like, where are the Blackhawks? Like, 2015 wasn't that long ago. So, yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm going to do that for you guys. Thanks. We appreciate it. Big Cat right. from Barstool Sports, Pardon My Take Podcast. Hey, man, it's always a pleasure. Thanks Great for making stuff, time man. for us, man. All right. All right, brother. Okay, man, we'll see you. If you haven't yet, if you still are uninitiated, you should listen to that podcast. Those I love do, Big Cat. I, think, I know there's, you know, they have their critics. Mark Madden's not a big fan, but I'm a huge fan of their podcast. And... It's fun to listen to people talk about sports who love sports. Because too often, the people who are employed as sports analysts, journalists, talking heads, what have you, they grow so cynical and weary after being beaten around for so many years, they lose the joy of the actual sport. Because they have to deal with the fans and the players. <laughs> right. These guys still. That can take a lot out of you. They're still gambling and drinking and they feel they're feeling it and having a blast. It's a really fun podcast to listen to. All right. Mike Pursuta coming in next with sports. We'll also be talking to our buddy Tim Benz from Trib Live Sports and Bad Custer performing live for you in the DVE Coffee House. It's all coming up. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Sports is out brought to you by Sport Clips. Uh, day two of the Steelers' 10 scheduled OTAs was not uneventful. Antonio Brown saw to that when he had this to say yesterday regarding Le'Veon Bell. Well, the first rule of getting better is showing up. You know, you can't make anything better without showing up. So, you know, I think if you show up, you know what I mean, make everyone understand where you want to be. You want to be here for not this this year, for years to come. You know, come out here and show up. You know, show up and get better and show God you see. What I took from that is he thinks Le'Veon Bell should have showed up. I think he thinks that. Uh, I could be reading between the lines there. Antonio Brown says, show up. The NFL says, stand up as it relates to the national anthem with the asterisk for yesterday's announced policy that 
If you don't want to stand up for the national anthem, you don't have to be on the field for the national anthem. You don't have to show up. But you, you do if you're out if you if do you show, show up, you gotta, you gotta stand, stand up. up. And if you don't stand up, there are gonna be ramifications. The teams will be fined if uh, club personnel don't stand up. Uh, the commissioner can impose discipline and the teams are also free to uh inflict discipline. All this uh conjured up without any sort of contribution or discourse with uh, contribution from or discourse with the NFLPA. The union, not surprisingly, has a problem with it. Steelers player rep and Steelers guard Ramon Foster does not. I have no rejection to it in a sense, but um, when we're talking about you know constitutional rights and stuff like that, that's something where that can get a little blended. But there's also workplace rules too. So to say they're wrong, you you know weed is legal in certain states. You still can't smoke it in the NFL. So um, we'll deal with it. Uh, we'll be one of those teams that'll make it a non-issue. Um, if there is an issue, we'll handle it too. Says it's a non-issue. If it becomes an issue, they'll they'll take care of it. Uh, they had a lot of experience at that last year, mm-hmm. and uh, funny how uh, as we begin, uh, you know, the initial steps of 2018 with OTAs. That's kind of an unofficial launching point. At least that's always the way I've interpreted it. interpreted it. It uh, we have uh, no Le'Veon Bell, Mm-mm. and now we have a a league issue with the national anthem. Both mm-hmm. of those things were uh, prominent last year. They are prominent again. Let's give a listen to Vince Williams in January during the Steelers' exit interviews talking about all the stuff they had to deal with in 2017. You know, for me personally, this is the most adversity I've ever been through in a football season that had nothing to do with football. It's crazy. I'm talking about the incident in Chicago where we were misunderstood with the incident with Al. You know, that was crazy. I'm talking about the Martavius tweets. You know, that was crazy. Just some other things. A.B. getting hurt. You know, him missing some time. You know, that was difficult. Ben saying after the first Jacksonville game that he didn't know if he still had it. You know, all that stuff was adversity. Even build up into the season where we had L. Bell have a kind of hold out, not be at camp. You know, we just had, like, a lot of media adversity this year. Uh, it's the most I've ever been a part of since I was a student. Media adversity. Yeah, I like, I like the interesting characterization. Way to put it. A lot of non-football stuff. And it, it, it went on that way seemingly all season from this time a year ago with Le'Veon Bell's absence from OTAs last year. Uh, they seem to be headed down that path again. Uh, Ramon Foster said yesterday that uh, not only they can handle it, but that uh, all the peripheral adversity and issues did not impact the performance last season? I don't think so. You know, the game, you know, sets itself. So win or loss, it can, it can be a, con- a contributed to a lot of things. And I don't want to say issues make that, you know, possible. Would Chicago maybe be an exception? Uh, I don't know. That was a little touchy week for everybody. Week three was touchy for everybody. So um, we can't have that. You know, it was a learning experience. That's how I look at it. So it's nothing you guys haven't gotten together or the leadership hasn't talked among yourselves? About you don't have to. If you're talking about that type of stuff right there, then you're probably a pretty terrible team. So there's, there's no, really no, t- no, no reason to be meeting to say, hey, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And, you know, the same with... The, uh, the owner's anthem issue or the gambling or just, you know, an assortment of things. Coach said we move and we'll adjust to what the rules say. Yeah, he says they can handle it. Regular season last year says they handled it. Playoffs says they did not. Did that catch up to him like Phil Kessel's phantom injury? <laughs> All the media adversity? I don't know. I, you know, 
I think that uh, there was less uh, problem with media adversity and more problems with the defense not being able to stop the Jacksonville <laughs> flipping Jaguars and Blake Bortles. That might have been uh, a bigger issue. Uh, he called uh, Foster did uh, what transpired in and around the Chicago game last year touchy. Uh, and then some, right? I, I think this has the potential to be a big issue in locker rooms. I, I don't know that it will be here. I think the Steelers are pretty good at kind of circling the wagons in times such as these and, and keeping their eye on the big picture. But this is going to have some ramifications uh, in terms of how teams come together or come apart and how they perform while, yeah. that, while that's going on. Well, there's no doubt about it. Well, From look, my recollection, they were trying not to deal with it correct. in Chicago correct, and ended up putting themselves front and center. In the conversation. Because of how people perceived what took place. Right. I, I still believe that Al Villanueva sticking his head out of the tunnel and not having his cleats on the grass of the field, but being able to see the flag and hear the anthem was a perfect compromise solution given their unique circumstances of having a decorated veteran playing for them. Uh, you know, you mentioned Phil Kessel. Does... It seem I just took a little shot. At I know, but I, I wanted to get back to this because it applies with the Steelers too. Because you were talking about the end of last season and how they handle the media adversity and whatnot. The media adversity, which is hilarious. Is there a compulsion now, more so than in the past, to sort of pick at the bones of the the carcass of a previous season and just try to like create content or make things worse more more than more in the so? past. No, I don't think more so. So it's, this is always I been. Yeah. I it's, think when you lose, yeah, things get blown out of proportion. It might just be that there are so many more forums now than there used to I be. It, that, yeah. it just seems like, God, at the end of a season, there's never any, well, they got to be better at this and move on. It's this constant need to find a reason and to hold people accountable. The Phil Kessel thing drives me crazy. I mean, I think you know that's what the media does, right? Holds people accountable. At least that's what it's supposed to. Supposed to. And I'm. It, this goes back to the uh, the convoluted uh, argument that you can't criticize this year because they won the last two years. Well, they didn't win this year. Why didn't they win this year? We're all going to do some digging and, and try to come up with theories and uh, try to analyze it and, and figure out why they didn't win. One of the reasons why they didn't beat the Capitals was Phil Kessel didn't score any goals. And a lot of people were saying he was hurt. And the head coach said he wasn't. And that situation seemingly would require some clarification. But Phil Kessel chose not to provide any. Now, uh, is he obligated to? Well, I, you know, you're supposed no, to. No, but he could have put that fire out, possibly. I mean, I, I think, you know, given who he is and what he's meant to this team and how he played against the Capitals, he, he probably should have said a couple of things. He chose not to. It's up to the fans uh, how they interpret that. All right, Tim Ben's joining us live in studio. When we come back, lots more stuff to uh, bat around here. Also, Bad Custer performing live for you in the conference. The DVE Morning Show and Tim Benz from Trib Live Sports joining us right now. So let's get right to the meat of the matter. The Anthem uh, uh, situation with the NFL, I think they made the situation worse. And as uh, the last 24 hours has shown, it's not going to be free from controversy. And it's, it's gotten worse. Well, they sold nothing. It. Let's yeah. be honest. They sold nothing except that the problem might go away if Trump and Pence keep claiming victory. Like, that's my take on this, is that for all the people that were screaming at the clouds the loudest, they might stop if their guy says we won. 
and they keep saying we won. Like the first thing that Pence tweeted out was hashtag winning. Like, yeah. you know, he was, you know, invoking a crack addict with AIDS. Right, exactly. He's Charlie <laughs> Sheen, hashtag winning. And I thought to myself, because I thought the first thing that you did is that this solves nothing. nothing. All they've done is probably made it worse because it's more easily identifiable when 20 Atlanta Falcons come out of the tunnel <laughs> right. as opposed to one random special teamer kneeling on the sideline. But then when Trump and Pence say, look what we did, we've affected change, if their followers say, hey, our guy won, maybe the controversy dies a bit. Yeah, I, I don't think that's going to end up happening. I think you're going to get more pushback from players who, once again, the whole reason that Chicago thing happened was because players were put in a position the week prior to that where he was calling them out. And right. they're going to see it was going to go away until he said something. And yeah. he, well, because he doesn't want it to go away. He needs it to, this issue to keep uh, uh, in in the front pages. And he, uh, he put them in a situation where they had to make a stand one way or another because he called them out. And so he did it again this morning, basically. I don't think it's going to go away. If their goal was to solve things, that didn't happen because by kneeling, you were showing, okay, I am, uh, I am peacefully protesting here. That pissed people off. If you're not kneeling and you're just in the locker room, people will still know that you are protesting. That will still piss them off. He can't say he's going to try to because that's just what he does. He declares victory whether there's victory to be claimed or not. But he can keep claiming victory if he wants. He's wrong, though, because he was the one that in that Alabama rally came out and said, these guys should all be fired. You know, he went, you know, with the whole mm. apprentice thing. Well, no one's getting fired. In fact, nobody might even get fined. You know, Woody Johnson has already come out and said, I'll pay the fines. Yeah. I heard you say it earlier. You're right. I mean, not it's not just the players who might not be unified with this. Some the owners have already proven they're not on board. No, and we know that Robert Kraft has, you know, a personal line to the Oval Office and talks to the president at length and frequently so you have and he's also friends with meek mill so he's it's, got it is weird he's, he's straddling the fence isn't yeah it? but art rooney uh standing with roger goodell and announcing this yesterday was uh i i think telling you know this organization wants this to be an issue that is far behind them and with al on the team and we heard what uh ramon foster's had to say i think we all know where the steelers stand on this the rest of the league it's not as unified. Right, and no. I think Villanueva's presence definitely plays a role in that. But For no sure. question. You know, there are other guys, regardless of Villanueva being there, there are other guys, regardless of if they're black or white, just didn't see the need to kneel. And I think sometimes you paint with too broad of a brush as to who's on which side of the fence here. All the black players want to kneel and all the white guys want to stand. I don't think it's that simple because I do think there's a lot of black players who understand that Kaepernick screwed this up from the get-go. You said earlier, Bill, something I've been saying since day one, mm -hmm. which is the minute he took that knee with the flag, it became about something different than what he was trying to get the point right. across. And some of the guys who are in the locker room right now, I mean, I think some of the guys who actually parse through topics like Ramon Foster, Stephon Tuitt, some of the guys I've talked to who I'm sure are concerned about this topic, realized it got conflated the minute he brought the flag into it. As soon as he brought the flag into it, it stopped being about police brutality, right. which is a big freaking deal, and he screwed it up. You, you can't have the guy wearing pig socks be your spokesman. And, and, oh, and, I agree. He And he was completely ignorant. I think he's come a long way, and he's a lot better on the issues than he was when he first started. But when he said things like, I'm not going to vote, it doesn't matter. Right. The How'd guy wearing the Che Guevara you? shirt should not be the one that's out there trying to lead the 100% movement. 100% uh, 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 agree with you on that one. He completely screwed things up, and he didn't represent himself well. Also, from a timing standpoint, it, you know, taking a knee 
really shouldn't happen after you get beat out by Blaine Gabbert. That's <laughs> you should also be not... waving a white flag, not an American flag, as you take was, the knee. It was the pig socks combined with the yards per attempt. <laughs> <laughs> It's a bad ratio. You can only run so many times, kid. <laughs> I've just always said that to me, it's it's sort of like that. The, taking a knee and protesting was supposed to start a conversation. It was supposed to start a conversation and lead to action. If we're still not able to even have a conversation and the whole message was confused before it even got off the ground, then then that wasn't a successful protest because to me protest should lead to action yeah you give trump police brutality as a problem to solve boy that's a that's a thinker that's a tough one well, you give him waving the flag i mean that is a grooved fastball down the middle for him right and it's again requires nuance which we are incapable of this is much too complex an issue to uh to be able to just say this or that it should be this, it should be that. There's a lot to be taken into consideration here. And look, the the NFL took the Pentagon's money for a long, long time, and they ginned up a lot of this sort of the, this jingoistic fever uh, b- before all of these games. Which Mike made a good point earlier, and I hadn't really thought about. You know, if you don't hear the national anthem before a sporting event, when do you hear it? Maybe only in international competition. Maybe it has more of a special meaning, but. You know, by doing as much stuff as they did and taking that money to make all of those flag presentations over the top and engender this feeling of like just crazy patriotism in people, you can't then all of a sudden be like, okay, now it doesn't mean as much. Right. You can't put that genie back in the bottle. And the funny thing to me about this whole anthem controversy is, is this for the players or is this for the fans? The fans who have gotten behind this movement of everybody has to stand all the time have sort of, I think, blurred the lines. I mean, are you watching? Aren't you supposed to be looking at the flag? Aren't you supposed to be, like, slap shot? Pay attention to the freaking song! Yeah. Right? I mean, like, aren't you supposed to be... Th- what does it matter what the players are doing? I, I, the anthem should be, I thought it was, for the fans. I didn't think it was about the players. Now, the players didn't make it about themselves, but the fans are kind of taking that bait if they're falling down that rabbit hole. Well, it's disingenuous of the owners to assert that it's anything else uh, except about uh, the bottom line, as Chris uh, uh, Long had said, because they're not going to suspend concession sales during the national anthem. Yeah. And they're not going to not broadcast the anthem or players, what, what they're doing during the anthem, because that could solve a lot of this as well if they just didn't show the anthem on television. But they, well, they normally Ever. don't, except for big games. And what they did, what you just said, is they would always show when there was a protest. They would point out and highlight those players. And they're not going to not do that. It's such a a big talking point and an easy thing to sort of get people riled up about. Well, the difference between college and the NFL is coming to big play on this, too. And so far as I, I never even noticed the college players weren't out there for the anthem until somebody brought it to my attention as a point of comparison. Mm-hmm. I didn't even notice they weren't there. So keep them inside. If it's for the fans, make it for the fans. Keep everybody inside. You know, and, and that's another way that Trump can declare victory if he wanted to. Because it, it, I think this conversation has shifted from honoring the flag to protecting it. And if Trump says, I'm protecting the flag by keeping these dirty kneelers off their knees during the anthem, I win. And then everybody's happy. Well, he said they th- maybe they shouldn't be in the country. I mean, that's Well, not- yes, he's, he's going to deport... Le'Veon Bell now. That's the way to well, solve the franchise. I was trying to think if there are any Zendejas left in the NFL, and they might have been a, <laughs> on a slippery slope. I'll tell you what pisses me off is when we play a Canadian hockey team and they sing 
the Canadian national anthem. <laughs> well, that does piss Mike off, actually, unless they're in Ottawa or Montreal. Hey, how about this? If you're in our country, you don't get to sing your anthem. <laughs> yeah, no, I always thought there should be, you know, Canadian in Canada and uh, Star Spangled Banner in the United like, States. Like, is Jordan Berry sweating right now? I is, was just going to say that. Kevin Colbert looking for a new punter at about this point? Yeah, he might get... <laughs> bad time to not have citizenship. Well, the, the, the rugby guy from uh, London was still at practice yesterday. Oh, yeah? Yeah. We, so what about uh, my later or whatever his name was? The New Zealand big rugby player that they worked what, out. That's what I mean. Maybe that's... No, no, they got a, no, he signed with Philadelphia, right? Or he got drafted. Oh. The one that got drafted by another team. The Steelers guy. Where, yeah, yeah. He, he's an English guy. The though, guy who's right? nine feet tall and right. 500 pounds. And, well, I'll just leave it at that. The sub, <laughs> the sub sandwich uh, millionaire guy from Jacksonville uh, wanting to move the team to London. Con. Con, yeah, yeah. The they, guy who this might be brilliant. Check. After all, he might have foresaw what was going to happen, foreseen, uh, and thought like, "Hey, guys, uh, you come over here." Yeah, how about that? They make the AFC Championship game, and on draft day, they've got their star players over in London making draft picks. What does that tell your fans? No oh, bueno. Got to sell the tickets, though. <laughs> well, uh, it just gets uh, more stickier on. We the didn't even get to eleven AB. I know. We got to take a break. We'll come back. We can talk about it afterwards if you want. Sure. I don't care. Drew Levin. If we were saying what. A.B. had to say about Lev Bell yesterday was a punch. How hard do you think Lev Bell would have felt it land? On a scale of 1 to 10, a glancing 4. That much? Boy, I was going to say just a, just the air from the, from the punch. <laughs> That's entirely possible that he's not even aware because it, yeah. he wasn't at mentioned on Twitter. Right. Or it wasn't posted on Instagram. Or it wasn't clapped at him in a rap He might have been line. in studio. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Making another that probably rap song. got at him worse. To be honest with you, was AB's little jab about I didn't like his rap album. Well, yeah, and that he, probably made him more mad. Lev was legitimately pissed last year that people weren't retweeting the release of his record. Right. Remember when his teammates? Yeah. Were ups- he was upset at his teammates for yeah. not getting on board and getting behind him and promoting it. I got to do us. So I for- got to do us. I mean. A.B. is a pain in the ass in a lot of ways, but dedication to the team is not one of them. No, he's a workout freak. He's there all the time. He's all, was, I was stunned. That he's always there. He's always he's never hurt. So when he got hurt late last year, it was like, where's A.B.? I mean, you actually you think to yourself, oh, my gosh, he, he's actually not on the field. He's sort of like Ike in that regard. Remember, Ike never missed a practice. Mm-hmm. And for as loony as he thought Ike might have been at times, he was always there. So yeah, insanely conditioned. Oh, he, would, he had the broken thumb the one year, and he wrapped it up. He was practicing in training camp. In the rain, because he wanted to practice. So absence, yes, probably does tick off AB. But at the same time, it is hard to take the Facebook Live guy seriously when it comes to protocol and propriety. Yeah. Especially since the other guy doesn't have a contract. I mean, that's the big thing. We keep forgetting. He does not have a contract. I understand that his franchise tag or bust. But as of, I mean, just look at the guy from San Diego who blew out his ACL in a stupid OTA. You know, Lev Bell sees something like that and says, there's no way I'm coming until I get my money. Which is why I don't understand why he didn't take the contract they offered him. He, he, he yes. dodged a huge bullet by getting through the first franchise tag. Yeah, 13.3 over three years was plenty. The Steelers were plenty fair in the offer that they made to him, above and beyond, I thought. Can he just show up to, to camp and to practice with and wear like a, a therapy dog vest? Nobody touch me. I'm just here for the camaraderie. Like a concussion jersey and... Hockey yeah. practice. Because I, I actually think that that's the bigger deal. Because I don't think he needs to necessarily get better like a lot of the other guys. I don't think he needs the rep. I think he's always conditioned. I think he needs 
to show his team that he's there for them but more than anything. It's more than his personal conditioning. There's a team. There is. Uh, they have to work in harmony. Well, how much? Correct. Do we th- I mean, like, looking back at it, how much do we really think the first three games of his poor performance was strictly based on the fact that he wasn't there? In first camp? one definitely because he was gassing. Because I keep hearing, like, yeah. I will buy that there was a lack of timing there yeah. in the passing game with There's him and Ben. There's football shape too. You got to play football to be in football shape. Okay, so like Chicago, everybody points to the Chicago because we don't care about the first two because they won anyway. Right? Yeah. So the Chicago game was on him or was it on the anthem? Because I feel like we apply that selectively whenever we want to make a point. Yeah. Well, was, I mean, I think, you know, the Bears were involved in the anthem too. Right. Um, and their running backs were much better. Might go back that. to that <laughs> crappy run defense thing Randy was citing yeah. recently. <laughs> Which is lost in all this. By the way, you know, we're talking about the anthem. We're talking about Bell. We're talking about AB. We're talking about Mason Rudolph, who might not have even be dressed on game days. No. Now Ben is going to get. Who's going to tackle the other team? <laughs> yeah. Who's going to cover the other guys? They're doing away with position names. Yeah. They're like, uh, we'll just be position fluid. The only guy who has a. Like, there are two guys who have a position right now Joe Hayden and Javon Hargrave. Everybody yeah. else is just on the field somewhere right <laughs> i mean we got john maybe Artie too i guess Artie too yeah but he's not tackling but he might not anybody. start camp sutton might take his job he's Who not knows? tackling anybody yeah. whether he starts or not or covering <laughs> and now tj's rushing from the left side and now it's going to be a four three and now you got john bostick instead of ryan chazier it's you get tom bradley back there new terminology a new defense there's a lot uh, of shaking up on the uh, defense that was already having a hard time communicating with one another. Where I definitely give them credit and where I think they deserve some credit is for years and years, how many times have we said or heard people say, why don't they do it more like the Patriots? They're doing it exactly like the Patriots right. now. Positionless football, different looks, uh, this whole like five safety thing. Right, ton it, of DBs, ton yeah, of secondary That's basically guys. what Patrick Chung has been doing in New England for how many years now with the safety over the... They're doing a lot of New England things Let's just see if they've got the personnel to do it now. Why did they wait till the year the Patriots didn't win the Super Bowl? They <laughs> gave up 38 points in the process. And now New England isn't doing New England things. Well, now yeah. people figured out what New England does to a degree, and they've just got to outscore people. You know, maybe five years ago it was a bit mysterious to see these looks, and everybody studies New England so much, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's, that's a good point. That's a I want to see like a where in the world is Carmen Sandiego for Brady. Where is he? It's not a camp. He's not, at, he's not at OTAs. Where is he? Wherever he is, I hope he's wearing that jacket from the Met Gala. He's somewhere. He looked like an Avenger. <laughs> having sweet potato chipotle <laughs> right. tacos for dinner. Somewhere in the bowels of a t- TB12 center. You know he has a menu. You can get it like Blue Apron. It, oh, like, I know. You can get it mailed to you, and you can eat like Tom Brady every day. Does Giselle hand deliver it to you, or, or no? No, unfortunately. I wish Casey Hampton would come out with one of those. <laughs> So you just eat like Casey Hampton every day. I think it's just a gift card to McDonald's. <laughs> you know, when he came back for that reunion, Mike, he was nowhere near as big as I thought he, he thought, was going to be. Yeah. I thought they were going to have to turn him sideways and roll him through the door. <laughs> he actually looked a little bit smaller, like more round somehow, but smaller. There's more bowling ball than he was before. All right, so we've come to the conclusion that uh, in light of everything that's happened at the OTAs and changes in the league, the Steelers are the favorite to win the Super Bowl. Thanks, Tim Benz. You got it. Appreciate it. <laughs> we on, can bet on that legally now. Yeah, well, soon enough, anyways. Uh, going upstairs to the Point Park University stage in the Fermanis DVE Coffee House, a special Thursday edition of the Coffee House in anticipation of the Lionfire Music Festival. I'm not sure if anybody... Not anybody. I'm not sure if enough people know about this really cool festival that's going on at Cooper's Lake this weekend. It's a, uh, I believe, two-day festival, 
And our, our next guests are going to be performing on Saturday uh, at the uh, Cooper's Lake Campground for the Lion Fire Festival. Jesse, Jake, Zach, Phil, and Kurt make up the band Bad Custer. How you guys doing? We're doing good. How are you guys doing? All right, all right, all right. Uh, now, I have been hearing about Bad Custer for so long, mostly because the the one and only Chris Leia is a uh, big supporter of you guys. And Chris, of course, a huge mover and or shaker on the Pittsburgh music scene and uh, the great work he does at Live Berg Studios should be lauded nonstop. And he's always saying, bad custer, bad custer. And I went and listened to some stuff. Like, I didn't even know you guys were on the show today. And I listened to some stuff that he had posted last week. Dude, you guys are killing it right now. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Yeah, we're one of the artists in residence at Liveberg Studios. So we hang out with Chris a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, that works out well for you guys because you sound like you're just super well rehearsed and, and really tight right now. And I, I dug what I heard. So what are we going to hear right now? We're going to hear the song Where Does She Go off of our self-titled album. You can see it this weekend at the Lion Fire Music Festival. Hear it right now. Here's Bad Custer on DVE. Where did she go? 
DVE Sports. Shoot it with another sports update for you this morning on the DVE Morning Show. What's the word? <laughs> sports is out brought to you by Sport Clips. Uh, the second of the Steelers' 10 scheduled OTAs yesterday on the south side was punctuated by Antonio Brown talking about Le'Veon Bell. Well, the first rule of getting better is showing up. You know, you can't make anything better without showing up. So, you know, I think if you show up, you know what I mean, make everyone understand where you want to be. You want to be here for not this this year, for years to come. You know, come out here and show up. You know, show up and get better and show God you're serious. Now, Brown went on to say that uh, he didn't think uh, it was an issue, Bell not being at OTAs. Ramon Foster said he didn't think it was an issue. So it's not as if this is uh, a source of consternation. At least that's the Steelers' public comment on it. But uh, Antonio Brown pretty clear that, uh, hey, people asked him what he thought, and, and he told them, you get better by being present and by practicing and by Honing your craft. And uh, when Antonio Brown got done saying that, he went over to the jugs machine. He's and caught a bunch of balls. He, you know, he walks the walk. No doubt about he it. Absolutely does. And he's even trying to improve that with the toe yoga. I mean, he, he's. He toes the toe. <laughs> that was incredible. What was that last year we, we heard yeah. that from him? Yeah. He does toga. Toe exercise. Basically yoga for your toes. More uh, NFL news uh, created at the conclusion of the league's uh, spring meeting in Atlanta. The league announcing its new policy regarding the national anthem. Uh, in a nutshell, you don't have to be present and accountable for it, but if you are, you better be standing and uh, respecting the flag and the anthem. Uh, Ramon Foster reacting to that yesterday. I have no rejection to it in a sense, but... Um, when we're talking about you know constitutional rights and stuff like that, that's something where they can get a little blended. But there's also workplace rules too. So to say they're wrong, you you know weed is legal in certain states. You still can't smoke it in the NFL. So um, we'll deal with it. Uh, we'll be one of those teams that'll make it a non-issue. Um, if there is an issue, we'll handle it too. He said that's how the Steelers roll with such things. Uh, we shall see. I think there's going to be some teams that are going to try to make that a non-issue that are going to have a hard time actually making that a non-issue. I think it's going to become an issue, at least yeah. in, at least initially. Yeah. Uh, also very curious to see the uh, the penalties for uh, not following the new policy. Uh, teams are going to get fined. Teams uh, can create their own policies in terms of discipline for conduct unbecoming in that fashion, and Roger Goodell can also uh, dictate discipline of his choosing. I would not be surprised that uh, if this ends up being amended considerably. NFLPA says uh, we're going to check this out and uh, see if this is in line with the collective bargaining agreement because the NFLPA was not consulted. Which makes sense. On we go to OTA number three today. Yeah, good fun. Probably talking about some special teams practice tomorrow. Here was AB talking about toe strength. You when the season is over, do you have something you have somebody to your game? Hold on a sec. You know what? Let me let me do it on a different way here. We kind of reconfigured things here. My, that's my fault. Here's uh, AB talking about toe strength. Do you do a pretty extensive review when a season is over? Do you have some? Do you ask somebody to critique your game? How do you figure out what to work on? Well, you got to be honest with yourself. You know, uh, obviously, I look at the tape and uh, review with my coach in regards to some things I felt I could have done better. 
Uh, and obviously, you got to have an overall synopsis of your body. Uh, what do you think you could get better at? Uh, can I strengthen my ankles? Uh, can I improve my toe flexibility? Uh, you know, can I get more range of motion in my hips? And uh, once you do that analysis, you know, you got the whole offseason to uh, attack it and uh, work out those little things to, to better your game. How do you how do you increase your toe flexibility? Do you go to toga? I mean, you are Tony Toe Tap, so you would know the best. But how, how do you how do you increase your flexibility in your toes? Well, a lot of marble towel grabs, um, a lot of balancing, and uh, having a great trainer who can uh, who can mold those toes out. You know, I feel like we run so many routes, sticking and cutting, and doing all those little things, and and, it could, and if you're not exercising those toes. They'll eventually break down. So being able to be smart and exercise them just as much as you uh, work on them, recover them just as well. You're doing toe exercises. I mean, this is crazy. So, AB, Does anybody else do that? I don't know, but don't, don't tell everybody. <laughs> Caps and Vegas are on a collision course in the Stanley Cup Final. Washington beat Tampa Bay four to nothing last night in Game Seven in the Eastern Conference Final. Vegas is the favorite. Oh wow! Uh, Vegas nah, is hard to not bet on the Capitals. Vegas is minus one forty, which means if uh, you want to win a hundred bucks, you got to risk one hundred forty on the Golden Knights for the series. Washington is plus one ten, which means if uh, you bet a hundred on the Caps and they win the series, you get one hundred and ten coming back. Just based on performance, I think that that's. I think that Vegas should be favored. They, I mean, they were twelve and three. Yeah, I'm, you, you don't get favored because you had the most grit, which I think the Capitals definitely showed. I think the Caps are going to win it. They could. I think they're going to win it in six. It's Alex Ovechkin's first trip to the Stanley Cup Final. Mark Andre Fleury will skate on Stanley Cup Final ice for the first time since two thousand and nine. What a matchup. Good deal. You know, uh, Netflix has uh, been lauded for their series of documentaries they've been producing over the last couple of years, and recently they've really been hitting it out of the park. Uh, They had a documentary called Wild Wild Country that was about this cult in the 70s that moved into Oregon, and they all dressed alike and acted the same way. Can't imagine that happening. Right. Well, they they have a sequel to that coming out called Wild Wild Steeler Country that's about this cult in, uh, in the 70s. That came into Pennsylvania. One day, I come to notice all these people was wearing the same colored clothes. Nothing but black and gold. Seemed like they were all under a spell. Netflix is proud to present another blockbuster documentary. Everybody felt like they was at the Immaculate Reception. That was like our big bang in that. That was like we're the chosen people. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Yoy and double yoy. Our vision was to create a football community based on worshiping a golden god named Thank Lombardi. You, you know what I mean? From producers Mark and Jay Duplis comes the story of the birth of a nation. We got a tip from the IRS, and in a matter of months, shrines were popping up all over the country for these cult members to answer their call to worship. They weren't trying to say it was Steeler bars popping up in every major city in the country. I mean, yeah, they was worshiping in that, but they were worshiping Emperor Chaz Knoll. 
We received the bootleg video of their beer-fueled orgies that were ceremoniously held in these massive stadium parking lots. It wasn't like any Sunday service I'd ever seen. They weren't orgies, they was tailgates! We also had it on good authority that they'd formed an army that could pose a threat to our National Guard. We contacted the guard down the stadium, you know, that, that knew the ball players. We asked him, he said, would Franco mind if we would be Franco's Italian army? So he asked Franco, and he says he wouldn't mind it at all. And then from then on, the rest is just history. Sure, my family was worried about me. They thought I was brainwashed. But I wasn't. I just had Steeler fever, and I ain't never found a cure. You know, to me. From the people that brought you Netflix captivating documentary, Wild Wild Country. I was willing to do anything to make sure that Baba Rooney and his desires were fulfilled so that we would be enshrined in a state of Lombardy grace for eternity. They don't interview that chick. Yeah, she's a nutbag. She came around at tailgates talking about putting poison in one of the other team's water bottles. I mean, great idea and all. Yeah, if we, but we didn't need no poison. We had Jack Lambert. Wild, wild Steeler Country. Netflix. This Friday. It's the DBE Morning Show. Once again, they'll be performing at the Lion Fire Music Festival Saturday at Cooper's Lake Campground. Go to lionfirefestival.com for the full lineup of bands, which includes uh, the band Moon Taxi, the Floozies, uh, Puddle of Mud is there, I believe, too. And uh, you got Paul Luke, Recluse, Morgan Arena, and uh, these guys. Bad Custer, they're upstairs on the Point Park University stage in the Permanis DVE Coffee House. What do you guys got for us this uh, this time? Got a brand new song called Radiation. Here they are. One more time. It's Bad Custer on DVE. Radiation makes my tooth hurt and I pull on it daily like the mother and her mother helping me to get shaky and I don't want to be here right now Radiation is a station and I get
You guys been listening to those Lucas Nelson records, huh? <laughs> A little bit. I like it, man. Sounded great. The uh, Leia brothers, the Guillamotti brothers, and Jesse Ed Davis up there laying it down for you. The members of Bad Custer are going to be performing at the Lion Fire Music Festival this coming Saturday with a bevy of, uh, of uh, Pittsburgh musicians' national acts. Go to lionfiremusicfestival.com. These guys are going to be there, too. Ah, wreck loose! Yeah. <laughs> you guys, oh, you, you that applauded. Was that was oh, that was a record. That wasn't live. Yeah, that was no. That, that was, was still good. Oh. Yeah. Very rarely does a song get an applause in studio. Uh, <laughs> along with Bad Custer, that's Recluse. You can see them this weekend at Lion Fire Music Festival, Cooper's Lake Campground. They're playing a noon show. They're playing early, so if you want to, I think Sunday. So if you're where looking, is that Cooper's Lake, man, right yeah, up. Yeah, where's Cooper's Lake? Straight up, seventy nine, isn't it? I don't know. That's oh, it's I off. Asked. I think it's like four twenty two. Isn't it like uh, you, you turn Isn't right? Isn't it the least popular of the Manning Lakes? I believe so. It's, yeah. <laughs> it is. The least talented? Right. Peyton Lake is the biggest, of course. Mm-hmm. Eli Lake is a little... Eli Lake is underrated. It's a little weird. Yeah, it's not what it used to be. No. The Cooper Lake, everybody's forgot about Cooper's Lake. Cooper's Lake Campground, lionfirefestival.com. Thanks again to Bad Custer for coming in today. Thanks to Tim Benz and yeah, Big Cat awesome. from Pardon My Take podcast on uh, Barstool Sports. Should we go out with the anthem? <laughs> Unfortunately, we don't have enough time. Plus, you should start with the anthem, not end with the anthem. Is it disrespectful when uh, Jimmy Buffett says, please remain standing for the national anthem and they play Margaritaville? Well, if you don't like it, maybe you shouldn't live in Margaritaville. I'm finished. You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him dead, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. Ah! Mm-hmm.